This is Stan Lee speaking. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald-headed. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Bullpen Bulletins Podcast, now with 100% less background music. Uh, I'm Vince B. I'm David Price. And boy, do we have a special guest in the studio tonight from Around Comics. I love this guy so much, I can't even put it into words. It's Mr. Brian Salazar. Hey, guys. It's special, like, short bus special right that's right got your helmet (laughs) right yeah absolutely i'm here hello yay and this is our marvel fabulous first episode we'll be taking a look at five recently released first issues but before we get into the comics themselves i just gotta say i'm going to kill whoever started the thread on the forum about the marvel ultimate alliance game that was probably miguel yeah, I have not been able to do anything since I bought this game. <laughs> I'm I'm stuck in the Mandarin's throne room, and I'm trying to get past Dragon Man, and it's knocking my team down health-wise, and I'm losing members. And I, once you get past Dragon Man, you have to take on Ultimo, that big android thing, and that knocks me. And I'm standing there playing, trying to get through this level with just a human torch. That's not easy. Oh, damn. Yeah, so it's pretty pathetic. Actually, I'm sorry, it was uh, is, is Pikmin. Our, uh, Adam from the UK is the one who, uh, who asked if the game was any good. So that's, that's who started the thread, and everybody pretty much snowballed into yeah. it and said yay or nay. And yeah, damn you. And <laughs> I, I had absolutely no interest in the game. And then when I started reading you know, people's experiences with the game, it sounded very cool. I bought it, popped it in, and I'm hooked. And I, ugh. Because, I mean, you know, the work it goes, that goes into throwing together a podcast and you're trying to read comics and you got this game taking up all your time. It's, it's not easy, so damn you. <laughs> damn you to hell. Have That's... you played it? 
I have not. I haven't played a video game in uh, probably Pac-Man? eight months. No, it hasn't been that long, but uh, it's been a while. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't played one in a while. I um, just haven't had time. I, honestly, between. Oh, I uh, understand that. See, so he's a. Prof- He's a professional. Why would he waste his time playing well, video games? He, he knows how much time he has during the day, and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you know, uh, and not to bring up a, 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 you know, the other company, but uh, that other game that lo- that looks pretty good too, the Justice. Oh, Heroes. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, that that looked pretty good too. But um, I'm gonna wait for winter to kick in a little bit more, and maybe I'll have some more free time. Yeah. Speaking of winter, you can actually play as the Winter Soldier in this game. Oh, nice wow. segue, dude. Yeah, that was real smooth. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I I, uh, I really enjoy uh, what you guys have done to the website. I like uh, the new homepage; looks really cool. Yeah, well, thank th- you. that's our pride and joy. Very nice. I spend more time there than I do playing Ultimate Alliance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, any picture you see of Vince or Vince's desktop at home with his figures, and I mean, like you always see the website somewhere in the background. On if he can get his computer into the shot, he's got the website up. Yeah, and my middle finger. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I do love the website, and anyone who's interested, just jump on over. It's bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. We'd love to have you. The community there is just great. We, we've managed to, I don't know how we did it, but uh, Miguel is fantastic. And we have a celebrity lurking in our really? forum. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Um, you, you're talking about me? <laughs> of course, <laughs> you know it. Uh, just kidding. But uh, who, who's the who's the uh, who's the celeb? Is it Stan? Stan coming by the bullpen? Oh, board? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's um, actually the it, it's Dallin who uh, Dallin Baumgarten. He um, he's a professional musician. Uh, he, he's he lives out west, but actually he used to. And and he's probably gonna kill me if if uh, if this isn't public knowledge or you know I, I if if i might be spoilers out spoilers laundry, it, it might be spoilers uh he might not want anybody to know and he might so i don't know but he he used to play for the band berlin oh okay. and and uh the 18th they're playing in atlantic city actually berlin is opening up for the new cars so if anybody is in the area if they feel like going to atlantic city if 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 you're uh if you're anywhere around check them out um he, uh, I used to have the best hookup in Atlantic City. No kidding. A friend of mine's sister was the vice president of uh, of entertainment at the Tropicana in Atlantic City. I used to go out there and get treated like a god. It was uh, it was <laughs> it was quite the hookup. But unfortunately, she doesn't work there anymore. <sighs> I know. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna PM Mr. Dallin and see if I can get any nude pictures of Terry Nunn. She nice. is. She is hot. Is that is that his real name? Because I, I can't imagine someone picking that name. And no offense to him, but that's an odd name if you'd like pick it as a stage name. Dallin Bumgarden. That well, it's it's Dallin D A L L A N. Dallin. And and yeah, rhymes with gallon, and it's 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 Baumgarten, B A U M G A R T E N. So chances are, it's probably not a stage name. Yeah, I'm thinking that's got to be his real name. Because who picks that as a stage name? I mean, I'm picking, you know, I'm picking something, you know, cool. Picking something with an exclamation mark. Not to say that Dallin isn't a cool name, but it just seems a little odd to pick, you know, randomly. All right, enough about did, that. Did you come on to berate our forum members you or talk to them? I am a little jealous of your forum. You have much, uh, many more, it seems, female forum members than we do. Oh, well, that's yeah. because they work with Vince. They, oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, they both. Oh. They both. 
<laughs> many more female members. There's two. They both work with Vince. So. If you guys ever saw a photo of Michelle, who goes by Blonde Michelle on our forum, you guys would shit. <laughs> this is a woman, and she reads comics. You ask her about the X-Men, she will rattle it off and tell you issue number. She's good. And wow. she's hot. She's even more hot because she reads comics. Well, sure. Nice. Yeah. She's All a right. geek dream. You bet. But you're forcing her to come to the forum because you're her boss? or No. <laughs> I force her to do other things, but no. Oh. Uh, yeah, no. She is... I'm not her boss. She uh-huh. just wor- works in the department with me, but she has a genuine... She works under you? No. She has a genuine interest... Oh. She takes dictation? <laughs> She's the head secretary. Um, oh. She is... She has a genuine interest in comics. She loves them. She, I, I, I did not have to prod her at all. <laughs> as she, much as she wanted to. <laughs> she, and if you look at the time of her posts, she's not doing most of them during work hours. She'll do it while she's at home. She is. That's great. I, I'm here at night before I turn in and, and make sure you know everything looks all right and I have things lined up. Otherwise, my, Miguel's going to um, M- Miguel's great. He uh, I'll all get him after. But I mean, you're right. She's she, she's posting it like you know. For me, it's like. 130 and and she's still on and she's posted stuff and and I and it's not just comics I mean when when she posts in the in the music thread I mean the stuff she listens to the stuff that's on her playlist or that's always playing I mean it's it's you're right I mean aside from comic books I mean music I'm I'm scared to find out about what, what movie interest she likes or else uh, you know if I wasn't married I'd probably end up stalking her she's a horror fan all right yeah well, see there's there you go for sale <laughs> my kind of lady. Yeah, she's a wonderful, wonderful girl. And, uh, yeah, and single, too, so. How yeah. old is she, though? You want to, like, I mean, so this way. Oh, I don't know. Um, no. She's like. Well, I mean, I, an estimate. I don't want to know the woman's age. She's like 26, 26, 27. So she 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 doesn't even stink yet. She's. she's <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. God. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful girl, and and the other girl from our department, the Slayer. She she just likes Buffy. She hasn't read any comic books, so she just did it just to be, you know, cool. one of, yeah, one of the cool kids. As if posting on a comic book forum would you know suddenly transform you into a cool kid, you know, whatever. Hey but, man, it's uh, <laughs> I know the geeks hey. have inherited the earth. That's right. But we do have one hell of a forum. I'm so happy with it, and. uh and and no, you're right. I mean, aside from oh, and that's what I wanted to mention that um, uh, Mr. Miguel, uh, organic matter is nice enough. If um, if if I go to sleep and I go, okay, you know what? I think everything looks fine. Like last night, I um, I I put the banners up, and I'll get to why we put the banners up. But um, you know, so I had the banners all set up, and they're on the forum primarily now. But before they were on the main page, underneath the great Marvel news script that Vince supplied me with. And this morning I woke up and and I have a private message from Miguel, who who sends me a screenshot of his of, of the main page on his computer and everything's all squished because the banner screwed up the uh, the news headline. So I'm you know mm. he, n- nothing else nothing else is in the email nothing else is in the private <laughs> message. He doesn't he doesn't say hey good morning or I hope everything's all right. It's just a link to a Flickr page so I can see this image of his wall of, of his screen. Showing me that the banner screwed up his, his his layout, so I had to change that. So you're right. I mean, there's, so not only is it a great forum, but the forum members can can prod and poke fun at the forum administrators and make sure that they get their shit together. Oh yeah. Well, hey, you have a responsibility. I tell you, the worst thing we ever, you know, or not the worst thing, but I, the, one of the things that 
it takes up so much of my time is just you know constantly worrying about the site and the shows and you know all the things because at this point it's like you know I I feel an obligation to put out quality material to to the people that take the time to to pay attention to our stupid right. little show right. so you know it's a, it's a full time job yes it is I wish it was yeah and David uh, what were those banners that you put up. Well, they uh, they'll, they'll be rotating. They'll be uh, you know you'll you'll see them change around from time to time. We have um, we have a couple of items that are that are rotating through. But the main reason why they were put up was to promote the New York Comic Con happening February twenty third through the twenty fifth in two thousand seven. Um, and basically, uh, the New York Comic Con is well. I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and. Uh, and, and read this press release. <clears throat> New York Comic Con is bigger, better, and has double the space with more gaming and anime for 2007. Come to the Jacob Javits Center February 23rd to the 25th and experience the biggest pop culture event in New York City featuring comics, anime, manga, graphic novels, video games, trading card games, RPG, MMOs, toys, movies, TV, celebrities, and more. Guests of honors include Stan Lee, Jeff Smith, J. Michael Straczynski, and George Perez, with many more to be announced. Tom For, Gators? Yes. yes <laughs> the Around Comics guys. For well, we're, we're, not, we're not guests of honor. We're just more well, around. Tom, Tom's a celebrity. <laughs> oh, is Tom's he? A, Tom's a rock star. You're riding his coattails. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> For a complete list of guests, including Tom Gators, as well as show information, visit the nycomiccon.com site buy your tickets online now to ensure your spot for the 2007 show tickets are available now at a discounted rate for advanced purchases at newyorkcomiccon.com you can also book your travel arrangements online now on the travel page of the website don't miss out the 2007 New York Comic Con visit our website to get all the information you need again that's www.nycomiccon.com and we will be there we will yes. be there. Yes, the uh, the fools that they are, they gave us a table, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll be in the vicinity of the Around Comics guys, but stop by our booth if you're there. We're going to have Bullpen Bulletin's t-shirts, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you. We're cool like that. <laughs> you can be cool to talk to us. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Someone please stop by and talk to us. <laughs> Other than Greg Land? Oh, I, I, I live for that moment. <laughs> I, I, I really know, do. Have you, actually, have, have you ever actually met Greg Land? I just I, out of curiosity. Did you I, meet him last year? I walked brother? by him in Chicago. I, I, I breezed by him. Did you meet his... him, though? Did you talk to him? No, I would he's, no. he's a really nice guy. You wouldn't say such mean things if you actually talked to the man and met his family and, and realized no. he's a good father. <laughs> and and <laughs> shelters animals. And gazed at his peg leg and hook arm. Uh, no, I, I have nothing against the man personally. I really don't. Uh, you know me; it's all about the art with me. I know, and uh, he could be he could be Jesus, you know. And if he was doing, I don't want to say bad, but artwork that did not thrill me for certain reasons, and I would say it just because I'm all about the honesty, man. That's me. <laughs> Keep keeping it real. Yes, yeah. <laughs> represent. And 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 David uh, will. Always take the opportunity to remind me that I do have the man's autograph. <laughs> you do you know it. That's right. <laughs> and who can we thank for that? The the man right now, Mr. Salazar. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome. That was uh, that was our first stop. 
on the on the signing round. There you go. That and, should have been the last one, so his name would cover everybody's. And well, Ramitas was the last one, so mm, they saved the best for last. That, that made up for everything else. You guys are great, but I, I and I said this to David last episode, but it was after we stopped actually the discussion proper, and it was the stuff that got cut, but. Greg Land has the ultimate trump card. I could go off for hours on how weak I think his artwork is and, and what everything I think that is wrong with his work. And all he has to do is play that, yeah, but I'm working in comics card. And I'm, he, 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 he's got me. I, I've lost. Well, so. the, thing with, the thing with Greg, I mean, I'm not a, a huge um, you know, proponent of his work. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, you know, I understand what people complain about it. And I think the thing that drives me craziest about it is that, you know, he's done a work where he's shown that he can draw. He has talent. Right, he, right. He, and, he, and he even does it in the work that he does today to a certain degree. It just, you know, it just is like, is like, well, are you just lazy? Are you just slow? Or is it just a necessity to get the books out that you have to scalp so much work from from photograph and and i mean because you look at a book like uh you know when he was working on ultimate fantastic four and you have you know your johnny storm that looks like a model and 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 sue storm and all that but then you look at the thing and it's like well he didn't use photo reference for that (laughs) you know he can obviously draw and i was a big fan of his work from sojourn uh, the old cross-gen book, uh, which I just thought was a f- fantastic book. Um, and in that, I mean, you know, he had a lot of different things that he had to draw that weren't, you know, there isn't really photo reference for. So that's kind of the thing that drives me crazy about it, because the guy, got, the guy has talent. Uh, it's just when he chooses to use it or not, I don't know. Now, be honest. Can you tell a difference between Arwen and Sue? Um... Yeah, well, most of the time, no, I guess right. not. But uh, it's I, at the time when I was reading Sojourn, I never, you know, it didn't really because there was so much else in that book, right? Um, from the, you know, all the fantasy elements in that book, it didn't, it didn't register as much. It didn't stick out as much <clears throat> in that book, I think, as as in something like you know FF or, or or different things. And like I said, I understand why you know people complain about it, but. Whatever. I don't know. So maybe I could be the one that pulls him out of the rut. Maybe. He he could blame me, you know? Maybe. <laughs> maybe you could save his career. That's, That's right. Because right. he's, he's not getting enough work, you know? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do this. First up on the list, we're going to take a look at Dr. Strange, <laughs> The Oath, number Wait, one. Wait, what are we doing? Dr. Strange. No, I mean, what are we doing? What's the... the, the the, the idea behind the show? Yeah, what's the idea behind the show? You didn't get the memo? Well, I. this is called me setting you up, Vince. Oh, yes. So that you can explain it to this your listeners. Thank- professional on yeah, That's right. I'm, I'm, 53 episodes and going strong. I'm dazzled. Oh, and sp- <laughs> speaking of episodes, uh, the last one. Uh, number 53, your um, homosexuality in comics episode. Mm-hmm. That was really sharp, really oh, good yeah. episode. I was uh, I was very proud of us for that episode. I think to some degree, not that, and, and, which is kind of a weird thing to say because it's like I was very proud of us not acting like fourteen-year-olds, right? Um, <laughs> you know, of actually being adult. But at the same time, I, I think um, it's a tough subject to discuss and not, you know, letting it break down into something uh, 
silly or or trite. So I thought mm-hmm. I thought we did a real good job with it, and it's certainly something that should be talked about. and uh, And our guest was fantastic. So yeah, yeah. they were. See, I, I I would never be able to do anything like that because you know me. I would always go below the belt. I that's where my humor lies, and it'd be tough for me not to you know. Yeah, you know it's it's um you know I I uh, and I think I said this on the show was that when I was a kid growing up in the suburbs of Chicago with you know all my uh, straight white friends, um, you know homosexuality was something we joked about and made fun of right. and uh, and so yeah there's a certain part of my mentality that still you know and this you know this is sort of the thing that it gets complex because. Um, I have gay friends. I have gay relatives. I have. I I don't consider myself homophobic in any way whatsoever, but I still can catch myself, you know, saying something like "fag" or something like that, where it's it's not generally, you know, it's it's not directed at someone that's homosexual. It's directed at someone that's a friend of mine that I'm just trying to insult, and I don't mean to use it. And you know what I mean? It's just sort of a something that you grew up with and it's hard to get out of that uh mentality um sometimes when you when you grow up with that kind of thing but uh you know but i think especially when you um when you see that how it affects other people and 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 that it's not necessarily just something that you can use in a uh, um a throwaway way without it you know, maybe causing harm. That's when you kind of, kind of look at it and and reevaluate your own mindset. Sometimes, so I I liked doing the episode because it, um, you know, to me it 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 helped me grow. You know, learning about what other comic readers, you know, what gay comic readers think about these characters and about you know comics in general, which is not a perspective that I am familiar with at all. So. Um, you know, I I thought it was uh I thought it was interesting. You did great. Yeah, you've grown. You know, just because yeah. just because these guys like to put dicks in their mouths doesn't mean that they're bad people. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, about Steve, your childhood, Vince. Steve, uh, Steve yeah. from Steve from the uh, the comic book queers was was a great and and really, uh, you know, I'm sure we could have um, gotten away with a lot more than we did, and, and just because his. You know his security and who he is, and 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 you know uh, his lifestyle is something that allows him to joke about it and and understand. But at the same time, there's just a certain amount of respect too. You know, right? And uh, we could only hope to have such intelligent discussion on our show. I think we'll get there someday. But uh, <laughs> I'm then, sure you will. You know, then again, I'm from an art. I have an art background. I went to art school. I've been exposed to that for years, even before it was quote accepted and like you it's not something that ever made me think twice i mean that's what they enjoy and that's who they are then more power to them so that yeah well i think that's all what it comes you know I, I someone once told me you know it's not the words that comes out of someone's mouth that you have to worry about it's you know the mindset and the that's intention right. behind it and you know sometimes people just say things that don't mean anything and sometimes people don't say anything, and but what they're thinking is really dangerous. So, right, um, you know, it's not about male and female; it's about souls. But that's all we are in the end. Hey, Vince. Hey, David. 
This is Dallin. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I'd have to say that the issue number one that had the greatest impact on me throughout the years was Micronauts number one from January 1979. It was one of the few toy properties that was turned into a very cool comic book. Written by Bill Mantlo, co-plotted and drawn by Michael Golden, embellishments, Joseph Rubenstein, colored by Glennis Wine. Why did it have such an impact on me? I'm glad you asked. Growing up in the U.S. with a name like Dallin was bittersweet. I was named after a shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals, Dallin Maxville. But even he went by Dow on his baseball cards. I always liked the name. I thought it was unique. But as a kid, finding a keychain or a mug with Dallin printed on it was an impossibility. It wasn't until years later that I found out it was an Irish name, and I'm not even Irish. So my full name, Dallin Baumgarten, makes about as much sense as Wolfgang O'Malley. Anyway, imagine my surprise and joy when the very first time I ever saw my name in print was in Micronauts number one. The first words on the very first page of the book are, For the love of Dallin, I was ecstatic that I had finally stumbled upon my name somewhere, and of all places, inside my greatest love, a comic book. It turned out that Dallin and Sepsis were a king and queen who had been killed and became martyrs. So just like you or I might utter, for the love of God, or saints preserve us, these characters would whip out, for the love of Dallin, or sepsis save us, as common vocabulary. Thusly, the name Dallin and the phrase, Dallin and sepsis, appeared several times in pretty much every issue. Now, as I'm all grows up and a professional musician, my music publishing company is called Dallin and Sepsis Music, and every time I look down at one of my printed guitar picks, I see a word balloon containing the exclamation, you guessed it, Dallin and Sepsis. It reminds me of my childhood and that fateful day, and it always makes me smile. Anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Bye. David, Sal, and I have selected five recently published first issues from Marvel. And they are Doctor Strange The Oath, number one, Criminal, number one, uh, Ultimate Power, number one, um, <laughs> The Irredeemable Ant-Man, and Ghost Rider, number one. Hence, the Fantastic Firsts. Fabulous dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Fabulous? Fabulous first. Fantabulous. The fabulous That's first. <laughs> Phantasmagoric. Right. Uh, because that would have been last week. Th- there, there is something of merit in each one of these issues, I feel. So we th- you know, t- are taking the opportunity to maybe clue you in on something you may have missed the first time around. Because I think with the exception of um, Doctor Strange, these have been out a month, maybe two, right? Uh, criminal um, number two recently came out, right? Right. Yeah. Doctor Strange. Uh, Strange is probably the 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 most recent. I right. Think. Number two yeah, comes out tomorrow. Up to what? Three or four? four? Four. Four. Yes. So the farthest you're going to have to go back is four months if if you're interested in one of these. Right. Other than that, everything else came out within the past month or two. And there's some real gold in this stack. Speak like on the cover of Ultimate Power. There's gold on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is. There's a gold trim. Yeah, yes, there's the, gold on the uh, on the outside of the uh, the border of the cover. Because oh my my heart beats in anticipation. There for you the go. Holograms that are soon to come and 
it's not a second. No, they don't do holograms anymore. They do pencil sketches because they figured what you really want after they sold out of a comic is to see less art. <laughs> and and the ultimate line is the gold standard, hence the color. According to that's what previews tells me every month. But uh, first up is Doctor Strange number one, Yay. which was written by Brian K. Vaughn. You may have heard of him. Penciled by Marcos Martin, inks by Alvaro Lopez, colors by Javier Rodriguez, and letters by Willie Schubert. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Oh, yeah. First of all, a brief synopsis of what is actually going on in this issue, and then we'll we'll tear it apart, so to speak. Um, the book opens up as Wong, Dr. Strange's manservant, drags the uh, Sorcerer Supreme into the night nurse's office. Now, this is not the night nurse from the 70s. This is the night nurse from the Bendis Malev Daredevil run. So all the old timers out there don't get, you know, all worked up. It's not the original night nurse. Um, and Dr. Strange has been shot by a thief named Brigand while stealing a green glowing elixir from the Sorcerer Supreme's Greenwich Village Sanctum Sanctorum. I can't say that enough. Uh, while talking to his mysterious employer, Brigand recalls the event, telling his patron that he was able to fell Doctor Strange because he used a gun which Hitler committed suicide with. That's really cool. Uh, the weapon was infused with some bad juju, allowing um, Brigand to um, lay Doctor Strange low, something he would never have been able to do without the... Uh, the mystical gun. So a shadowy figure then proclaims that if the liquid is what he believes it is, he's going to do nothing more than pour it down the drain. Uh, as the night nurse operates, Kirkman brilliantly uses Dr. Strain's recollection of going under the knife as an opportunity to revisit the character's origin for new readers. Uh, you know, the old pride goeth before the fall story. We're all f pretty much familiar with uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Strange's origin. And what a great way to do the origin. Oh, it was seamless. I, I, I love the way he did that. Strange then recounts the recent events that brought him to the night nurse's door, detailing Wong's terminal illness. He has a rare brain tumor, and uh, then he uh, and the steps he took to procure a cure for his manservant, traveling to a pocket dimension called Pi to battle an ancient god of suffering known as Octa the Omnipotent who guards a magical elixir said to erase what troubles the mind of man. Now, as the night nurse stitches up Doctor Strange after a successful operation, Wong collapses and the master of the mystic arts drops the bomb. The elixir that he procured from the pocket dimension in the fiercest battle of his career, the same one that was stolen by Brigand, is no less than the cure for cancer. That's some pretty heavy stuff. For might first be, issue, Might be is. valuable. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, Cinch in particular on our forum was a little taken aback by the last page where the, the big oh shit moment where we find out that it is the cure for cancer. But you know, the, the story's barely begun yet, so I'm, I'm on board to see where this is going. But, uh, what, was I, he, uh, what, what, was, what was his problem with that? To recall loosely, um, I don't think, I believe. His feeling of it was that saying something is the cure for cancer really, you know, in this day and age, isn't something to just throw out there in a comic book. You know, especially if you've had family members or loved ones that, that died from the disease. Um, you know, to say, hey, and there's some magical cure. You know, it might, and I can kind of see his point where it might 
take someone, you know, might might hit them a little wrong. But again, mm-hmm. well, I have to say, book. I mean, I mean, I because I had a, a not a similar reaction, but I had a strange reaction to that last page myself uh, with with a cure for cancer and and um, I, not to get into it too much, but I'm I'm sort of going through a situation now where where uh, my mother is battling cancer, and so it was sort of um, I don't want to say shocking, but it did sort of knock me out of the story a little bit, only because okay. it, you know you, you with Doctor Strange you're dealing with such a you know all the mysticism and 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 uh, all the paranormal stuff that surrounds his life, and and up to that point it was a very I thought a, an excellent issue. Um, and that did kind of, it, it, it did sort of just um, knock my perspective on the issue a little off. But at the same time, Vaughn is such a talented writer and has never disappointed me in the past with dealing with big issues um, that, you know, I, I I sort of was able to just go, well, you know, I, I got to trust in the guy because he he's not afraid of, of dealing with, Huge issues, um, and and he always seems to do it pretty well. So, but yes. I, I can understand his point of view. He, he well, basically, and and because I don't want to mistake anything that he said, um, I think I would like the oath, if not for what it is dealing with, really. And and I have to use my cinch to English dictionary here. Uh, really, in the world of superhero things like cancer, etc., should be wiped out. I prefer they just stay away from subjects like that. Personally, but I think just because someone from my family died of it, it's hard to go through really. So when you read about crap like a magical cure, well, no comment. Dot dot dot. So and, and up until then, like you, Sally, he, he pretty much enjoyed it up to that part. Otherwise, yeah. And, and like I said, I can I can kind of see what he's talking about. Like I said, uh, you know, my mother's dealing with it right now, and and uh, it's I, I can understand what he's saying, but at the same time, to me, I want comics to deal with with real issues when they can as long as it and in this instance it's like uh, did he did he have to pick it you know you're right cure no, for I, cancer could it, right. could it couldn't right. it have been could it have been a cure for anything couldn't it have been a you know uh, uh you know the cure for the legacy virus and then why would colossus have died you know I mean, right, you're right you're right, right. it could it could have just been an all-purpose uh um i can't think of the word uh influenza the common cold it, 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 yeah it could have been anything really so there has to be some reason well obviously there's a reason i mean with wong but wong could have had you know any other disease or or, or whatever i don't know I, I like i said i think i have to trust vaughn on it Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I mean, it was one issue, and it was, I thought, a, a really good issue. So, um, you know, I'm I'm going to certainly trust him at least for the next, you know, for for at least one more issue. So, now as a cancer survivor myself, I have a fairly informed opinion. I mean, I've been through it, so I can look at this issue in ways many people, thank God, can't. But when I saw that that's what strange was fighting for it made that shadowy benefactor that we assume paid brigand to get it all the more despicable and disgusting in my eyes because he basically says i'm gonna dump it down the drain that he has the potential to ease millions if not billions of 
people suffering and he wants nothing more than to take this out of their reach now that that to me makes a despicable villain uh, more than a, a level of doctor doom or or say dormammu where they have these earthly desires to conquer or to you know save their people from harm or to subjugate people but this guy he he has the power to do so much good and he's discarding it that's a despicable villain well it certainly points to his motive as you know why would he i mean i would, you know the the most obvious answer would be you know monetary gain uh you know wh- why would you not want to cure cancer i mean there you know well the first reason i can think of is because there's billions of dollars spent in uh in the research of cures for cancer there's billions of dollars spent in the treatment of cancer patients so um you know it, it, and that may not be the reason but it you know that's certainly uh the first one that came to my mind but and let me say uh um, i didn't i did not know that you were a cancer survivor but congratulations yeah. on on that i was diagnosed with hodgkin's lymphoma uh geez must be more than eight years ago uh, one morning I woke up and I had a grapefruit on my shoulder one of my lymph nodes just exploded it was huge Wow! and uh, you know make a long story short I had to go through the, the six months of chemotherapy and it knocked the hell out of me but I never for a second ever um, thought that I wouldn't make it and I think that's the that's the whole thing it's it's all the mindset. They they could pump you with whatever drugs you know they have. If you're not in the right frame of mind, it'll get you. But yeah. I was lucky. I was told that my type of cancer is the common cold of cancers, as far as you know, severe right. severity goes. So yeah, I was lucky. But and and it's, it's something you know. It doesn't bother me. I talk about it. It's not something that's hushed up. That oh my god, you know. Hey, I beat it. Here I am. But. Uh, as far as this comic goes, yeah, it, it hits home with me. It really does. And not to, you know, let's forget about that for a little while. I, I think another little neat bit of symbolism that Kirkman uses is you have Dr. Strange, who is, we all know, the master of mystic arts. He's all about the magic and the, the otherworldly, you know, trappings. And what is he fighting for? A, a medicinal cure. Which mm-hmm. which harkens back to his original job as a surgeon. He he was an MD before he was you know the master of the mystic arts. So that's a neat little way of tying up his previous life with his his new incarnation. Well, new as far as post surgeon. So yeah, it's it's a nice little thematic way of of wrapping up strange strange's being as a as a person who he is who he was. Well, I, I you guys had mentioned earlier about um, how he, they kind of went back over his origin a bit and and quickly recap that and and um, I know I listened to uh, to Brian K. Vaughn on some podcast I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head but uh, and and they were talking about Doctor Strange and he had said you know that was something they really wanted to sort of you know point to was the fact that you know everybody knows. Doctor Strange and, and what he does and he's been around for a long time but a lot of times he's never really had that that uh, I don't want, you know iconic origin story where everybody one. 
Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's not Spider-Man where, you know, everybody knows Spider-Man was bit by a spider and he's not the Hulk and he's not, you know, whatever. He, he doesn't have that real famous origin story, but, you know, there's, there's a really interesting part of that character and, and that's the doctor part, you know, and, and, and that, you know, how he was, uh, you know, he was full of hubris and, and, and arrogance and, and lost, um, you know, his ability to be a surgeon because of it to some degree and, and, um, and that's sort of what led him, you know, down the road of, of the mystic arts and everything. But um, I thought it was really interesting how he tied it into the story uh, where, you know, he's fighting for, like you said, a medicinal cure, which, you know, is sort of uh, it's sort of an analogy for him, uh, you know, fighting for that uh, that part of his his character that that he lost in some, uh, you know, years ago. Because the one thing, he, you know, as magnificent and powerful as he is, you know, the one thing he can't do is probably the one thing he wishes he could more than anything else, and that's, you know, be a surgeon, be a doctor. Then I even touch on that when uh, when he finds Wong's medication, and, and he tells Wong that, you know, we can... Don't worry about anybody that says your tumor is inoperable. I'll, I'll operate, and he's, he's sitting here showing him the bottle and and his his hands can't stop shaking yeah. and it's it's his hands that you know it's like his hands is what is, those were his claim to fame and as soon as he lost the ability to use them the way he used to in that car accident i mean it's it it really it's it's again you know aside from and and i i got that i got that big oh shit moment from the last page i i i realize it's a comic book story so you know this is the same disease that a few weeks ago we were all up in arms because they're hinting or or toying with the idea of 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 teasing us that they might be bringing Marvel back and Marvel was died because of cancer and and I mean it's it, it is a very real disease and it affects everybody and and even with that that big oh my god I can't believe you went there moment on the last page at the at the end of the book it's without that last page I think it's still a, it, it's it's a great story but it's it's a great first issue I mean, it, it it has me hooked for the rest of the series. I'm I'm kind of sad it's only a five issue series. You know, I have to say I I've never really been a huge fan of Doctor Strange. I've never really. Uh, well, you're not a lot. A lot of people like. Yeah, that. but uh, but I did enjoy this quite a bit, and and I thought, um, you know, it's he's such an interesting character that you can do so much with, and I I, I just think people don't necessarily always take advantage of it. I mean, you think about like. Like this issue, you know, he has this huge battle with this demonic creature, and he could, you know, literally have so many adventures outside of sort of continuity in in Marvel comics, and and you could do so much with that character and and easily write it off, and then, you know what I mean. You could always come back to the beginning. You you could you could really stretch the boundaries of 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 where you could take that character because of his nature and you could always go back to where it was before you started as a writer and um it always seems like he just sort of gets thrown in a lot uh you know um when something crazy pops up you know and and you know Spider-Man has to deal with some mystical He's got creature this on his neck or something and yeah we'll <laughs> yeah. see, see Doctor Strange right you know what i mean and and uh you know he he just hasn't really being given that great of an opportunity and it's interesting that they put you know such a high profile writer on them uh so i really enjoyed the first issue i i'm looking forward to the next one and 
And um, I can kind of picture Doctor Strange being the type of character or being the type of, of series of books like they're planning on doing with Next Wave, where they just do or or you know use the Hellboy model or the VPR model, right, where, right. where they you know just do a bunch of miniseries to tell the story. At least this way, you're getting a consistent creative team, even if it's not always Vaughn and and Martin. And and Lopez doing the work, you know, it's still going to be a you know five six issues to take care of a story, and you know you don't need a month, and and maybe that's why, because because Doctor Strange was one of one of the one of the first books that I remember that Marvel put out that was that was a bi monthly book, and bi monthly books were made bi monthly because they didn't always sell. So I mean, he really never had that huge. I mean, people like Doctor Strange, but not I get not enough to support. An ongoing title, just like and and again, I'm going to bring him up, just like Marvel. I mean, Vince, Vince pointed out to me that one of the reasons why Marvel probably decided to let Jim Starlin write him off is because he's he wasn't a huge money maker of, of, of right. a character of a comic. So I don't think Doctor Strange is their money maker either. But like you said, Sal, they can do a lot of good stories with the character. Yeah, and I'd have no absolutely no problem with with that sort of thing where you know on on some sort of irregular basis you'd see you know various minis come out with sort of a uh, an underlying thread you know keeping them together you know like the the BPRD or the Hellboy model where yeah those come out um you know whenever they come out but there is still a certain amount of continuity and a certain amount of uh you know you're you're aware of the time that's passing between or or that kind of thing so you know, that's, I mean, I think maybe that's the biggest issue with it is, like, if, are they going to do it where it's, you know, Vaughn writes a six-issue series and then somebody else takes over and writes something that has, you know, nothing to do. I think right. to be successful, I'd, I'd like to see something like that. In fact, I'd like to see that with more books because, you know, with with as many titles that are out there that run into problems with artists and writers and deadlines and everything else, it's like, you know, I have no problem with Hellboy coming out when it comes out because it's good. And I know it's going to be good, and I know, you know, I'm going to enjoy it. So, you know, put it out when, whenever you can, as long as it's got the quality, and, and I'm going to pick it up. And and I think Marvel may be looking at, you know, the, it was interesting with the next wave that they're going to do that. That there was enough fan enough people liked that book that they're not going to just cancel it, um, but they're going to do it as a series of minis. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I do too. And I think that's the thing with Doctor Strange. You can have a weak writer and a strong artist on a book like say Spider-Man or even Thor and where the art carries the books mm-hmm. Doctor Strange needs a strong writer he just yeah. he doesn't work unless there's somebody very capable in control and I think Vaughn is a perfect choice because you know we all know he's a strong writer but in in this case we get the best of both worlds I was just going to ask you Vince what did you think of the art I think it's fantastic. I think uh, Martin's facial expressions are just gorgeous, dead on. Uh, To get back to that one scene where Doctor Strange's hands are shaking with the bottle, if you look at the panels above it, just his his shock and surprise at, at Wong's revelation look at the concern in the in his eyes and it's just and he doesn't over render it it's just minimal just a couple of lines here and there and it it it, it works for you just something popped into my head was it was interesting you brought that up because when when i first got the book um 
I grabbed it and flipped through it real quick. I, 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 I didn't have time to read it, but I just wanted to take a look at it. And I looked at the art, and I was, really didn't care for it all that much. But then when I sat down and read it, um, I thought it worked extremely well with the story. And, and the characterization was one of the things that I really noticed because for the first time I felt Strange was a person because of that, because of you know his concern for Wong and, and the different things that they got into in that book, it was, you know, most of the time he's such a uh, near omnipotent being, you know, this this sorcerer supreme that everybody is either afraid of or in awe of, that he comes off as, you know, not really that human most of the time. And so I thought that was pretty well done in the in this story. Right. And and I this one scene with the with the pill bottle, this is the the kicker of the book for me. As as much as the uh the last page is shocking and a, and a gut punch. This is really subtle, but it, it it really works that the sound effects for the, the pills clicking on the sides <laughs> yeah. of the bottle is so pronounced, and it, it, it tells you that, you know, Strange has a problem with his hands. He can't control his hands the way he used to, but it also is a neat little way of symbolizing the clock ticking on little Wong there. You know, he's okay. not got much time left, and that's a that's a real subtle way of doing it. You're right. You, using the tick, tick, tick sounds of the yeah. pills to, to, to hammer that point home. It's just, and the perspective on the bottom panel with the, the pills exploding and, and Wong in the background, it, that's brilliant. It's really nice. Absolutely. That's yeah. why I love listening to you, Vince, because I never would have, I never would have came up with that one. I never would have would have seen. I mean, I can see it now that you you said it, but I, I, I could have read that book a, a dozen times, and I don't think I ever would have made that connection. It is my boon and my curse. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you turn the next page, even going to more little subtleties, and actually, Dallin mentioned this in his forum post, the the cloak comes slithering out from the next room, so that it you know it it, it knows that either strange said for it to come or just it, it I get the sense that it, it knew that it was going to be needed so it came into the room just seeing the just seeing the cloak come in and kind of just slinking into the into the room to creep up behind Doctor Strange is just that that was a neat touch yeah but, I noticed that on the splash page where Wong is bringing him into the night nurse's office and it's like alive yeah it looks like it's grabbing the railing like supporting it both is. of them yeah it is it's creepy and cool at the same time <laughs> I, i've seen that used before just a couple of times um with strange where i don't and i don't remember who it was or or in what book it was but I, i've seen that once or twice before where his cloak um you know has its own sort of mind and 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 follows his orders and 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 right. you know comes which is is just a, like you said it's an interesting little uh tidbit uh about that character and, yeah and that's what I mean about it. I mean, there's so many interesting things you could yeah. do with that character that, you know, for whatever reason, just hasn't, you know, hasn't been done. And I think, you know, talking about Vaughn on the book, when they first announced that, I was like, well, it, to me, it seemed like an odd choice, you know. Yeah. Um, I just <laughs> didn't why see... Why the last man, ex machina, and not... Yeah, it just seemed really strange, and that's a... No pun intended, <laughs> it, but it but it seemed odd to, to put him on this book, and, and I'm like, hey, you know, he's never really done anything in this vein before, and, and I, in that same interview that I listened to him before, he had said that he, he was never a strange fan. He never, you know, it wasn't like a character that he... Uh, ever really considered writing 
Um, wow. and, you'd, and you'd never know it. No, yeah, really. well, that's just it. Well, yeah, that's just a testament to his talent. And, and but I can see maybe where someone, you know, and whoever the editor or whoever it was that that came up with the decision to put him on it, I think I I can only imagine could see him bringing the humanity that he puts in so many of his characters into Doctor Strange because a lot of times I think what is lost is that and the scope of a lot of the Doctor Strange stories are so big that you get lost in them and that's you know that that's sort of the same problem I have with some characters you know most of the time like um you know the space characters like Silver Surfer and and uh uh whether it's Nova or Marvel or whatever, you know, a lot of times those huge epic space stories uh, are just so big you lose track of the the people in them um, to some degree, and 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 that to me turns me off a lot of times. I mean, you know, the original in and and a lot of the the Silver Surfer stuff dealt more with him as a person, or you know, not as a person, but as a one as a former person and his humanity. And then all of a sudden it turned into like, you know, epic space travel and gigantic, you know, uh, world and universe changing events. And that's when I think the the stories suffer. You know, it's very insightful that you brought up the humanity aspect because that's what Stephen Strange lost when he was a doctor. He was only concerned with monetary gain and he was aloof and he needed that humanity to become Dr. Strange. So when you're saying that Vaughn brings a humanity to the book, that's integral to the character. You mm-hmm. can't, uh, a Dr. Strange without uh, humanity is Stephen Strange and we all know where that led him. So right. that's pretty. But don't you kind of feel that, you know, a lot of the stories that are told with Dr. Strange in them or about him don't really sort of picture him as very human. Right. They, he is written pretty aloof sometimes, but I mm-hmm. think that's because the writers don't understand the character. Right. And Vaughn obviously does. Like in the Defenders mini by Giffen and uh, DeMatteis, Strange was written with a sense of humor and it worked. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of times, going back to the 70s, Strange was written like an otherworldly type um Guru. He was, he was alien, right? To some degree. And and you need that that personality and that humanity to make the character what he is. And mm-hmm. this this is exactly what I think Doctor Strange needs right now is a, a, a strong series like this with a writer who obviously knows what he's dealing with. And as far as the first issue goes, I can't speak for what will come next, but if they're anything like this first one, it's going to be a fantastic ride. Yeah, I agree. Yes, absolutely. Now, before we get into anything else, I want to pay very close attention to the page with Dr. Strange on the operating table. Because I, I have something to say that I'm going to tie into this, and I need us to look at this page right now. Which which page? It's the one with the multiple panels. Strange is in the middle on the operating table, okay. an overhead shot. Now, look at, I mean... This almost looks like a photojournalist's contact sheet. Everything you need to know about the environment that Strange is in right now is in this picture. You have the the heart monitor, the EKG thing. You have the overhead light, the oxygen mask. There's no question what's happening. The bloody instruments, the cloak. You know, you don't know whether it's been folded by Wong as 
you know, a testament to his master if the cloak folded itself. That, but that's not the issue. It, it's just Marcos paints the entire picture. This is as real an operating scene as you need to know. It says everything. And there's a, a double-page spread in a book that we're going to cover soon that completely misses the point that should have been done this way. Okay. I know why you. I know why you like that page. Why is and, that? And maybe I'm wrong, but to me, um, it thinking about it now and looking at it in in sort of retrospective, um, it reminds me a lot of a, a John Romita Jr. page. It, <laughs> and and I, I'm serious. I mean, it just. I don't know. I can't because I'm not smart enough. I can't explain why, but <laughs> I could see that same layout in a in a John Romita Jr. drawn book and in, in fact i'm almost like picturing some sort of spider-man book uh with a very similar sort of page and and uh and it's it's doing marcos does what he needs to do and he doesn't resort to repetition that's kind of what i was getting at mm-hmm. he he illustrates sufficient yes he, he tells you just enough to let you know that you know strange is in trouble you know the blood and so it's it's a very cool page and you know to answer your question i see more keith giffen in that page than john romita jr but yeah you're in the ballpark sure (laughs) it doesn't have a have a legion feel to it almost well i i'm just so used to seeing keith giffen with his little squares and his thumbnails that yeah i can definitely yeah i see i don't yeah i i could see that um Although whenever I think Giffen, I think much smaller scope, or no, I should say much larger scope and smaller. Um, oh God, I can't think of the word. Much more going on in the picture, okay. but that's me. I don't. I don't know. But the uh, the propensity for blacks that Marcos has is along the lines of Giffen. Like there's one panel with the night nurse early on that you'd swear was drawn by Giffen when when she opens the door. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, I it's can a, see that. It's a long... Especially ver- with the bags under her eyes. Oh, yeah. And I see... I definitely see some Ditko mm-hmm. in, in these pages. And I don't know if, if Ditko is, is an influence on, on Mr. Martin or if, if it's just because it's a, Doctor, it, it's a Doctor Strange comic book. And when I think Doctor Strange, I definitely think Ditko. Right. And, I, and, and, and if you notice, it's one of the few books out there that doesn't have full page border to border uh, artwork. There are panels. There's there's white on the gutters between the panels, and 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 there aren't too many pages that go from end of the page to the other. They're, right. they're in panels. They're on pages, and and it it definitely feels for to me as like a, a, a comic book from before they went full page border end to end with with the artwork and and the layouts and it's it's just marcos is very sneaky if you look at the pages where there's no panel borders they're instances where the scope of the story widens as if to say it's bigger than the page and he'll he'll use a a full bleed on it like the last page with the cure cure for cancer and then the battle page page for it yeah with the demon and the the origin right the origin which is big so whenever the narrative demands a wider scope he'll drop the panels which is cool 
I man, I'm still going with John Romita Jr. and maybe not. <laughs> I, I, no, listen, hold on one sec. I, I I keep picturing like um, his run on Uncanny X Men when, and I'm I'm picturing like the uh, the the. Kulin Goog, uh, what was his name? Kulin Goth, yeah. Kulin, those issues where it was like he had a little creepiness to everything that he drew mm-hmm. in in those pages, and and even like um, the stuff following that, and and I don't know, I don't know why I keep I keep seeing that in my head, but maybe I'm just drunk. But no, <laughs> and I'll back you up on that, David. There is a little bit of Ditko in there, but if you look at the double page spread with his origin where he's fighting Baron yep. Mordo, that's pure Ditko. That that, that yes. head was lifted. I mean, yep. I, I, he doesn't copy it, but he does use the yeah, the, the heavy the, the, Ditko eyebrow. and yeah. yeah. So it, it's not a swipe. It's an homage because it's perfectly fitting. But, yeah, and, you know, to wrap up my thoughts on the book, how could you not love a book that starts off with a uh, girl from Ipanema? <laughs> well, that whole that whole opening scene was really cool with uh, with Iron Fist and uh, tell me and, t- tell me Martin does not draw a kick ass Iron Fist. Oh yeah, Look at that, <laughs> that, that that page underneath the splat the the splash the splash page where um, panel that Vince mentioned with the cape holding onto the rail. I love that Iron Fist down there. Yeah, yeah. And Vaughn just pulls the rug out from underneath you. You get Aranya and Iron Fist making light of their injuries. Yeah, you know I'm. I'm kind of hurt. And then, and then all of a sudden, Strange and Wong come in, and uh, Iron Fist says, "Oh God, that's a gut punch." Yeah, it really is. But and then that another thing about this book, the dialogue is so witty. Just the whole. That's what I'm saying. It, he really gives Doctor Strange. I mean, if 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 people didn't, the reason why Doctor Strange didn't have such his following that 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 he should have had but never did, if if Vaughn wrote the character or if, if Strange was written like he was in this in The Defenders by, by Giffen and Damon Tate I mean this is he's more human in the two stories that I read over the past few months between this the start of this many and the last many than in all the years of me reading him you know it, it's it, it's almost like it's it's almost like it's a different character I mean I still know who he is but I just have a new outlook on him and I see him in a different light and it's it it works. It fits. I, I just, this is what I want in Doctor Strange comic book. Yeah, same here. And he gave him pants. Yes. Yeah, with a cute little bit, but yeah, with pants and he's, shoes. And he's wearing like, sl- yeah, slacks in most of the, uh, <laughs> as opposed to like those big boomy. The unitard. Yeah. <laughs> or God forbid the mask. Yeah. R- remember the uh, Gene Cohen, the uh, full head mask that Doctor yeah, Strange wore? Oh. <laughs> I think that's, that's the only time Gene, I don't want to say stumbled, but it wasn't his finest hour. But I, I think that was uh, dictated by Stan. But we're getting off track here. Um, again, with the art, Marcos does not waste any space at all. And the thing I'm talking about right now is the part where Brigand is talking to the mysterious benefactor guy, and you see the coin flip at the bottom of the page. Again, you you have information that a lesser artist would have left out. And you know that, you know, this is a cool cat that he's talking to. He's confident, and that little repetitive coin flip, you don't know how many times that man is actually flipping that coin, but you can guess that it's a it's a near-constant thing. 
but in in just three panels, he 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 sets that whole thing up. I, I think it's very well done. Well, I never took it as as him flipping it. I thought he was fooling around with it. Well, yeah, like twirling it. Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. You know what I meant. I do. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and and there For is subtitles. And there is a mystical edge to that coin too. There's got some some yeah. go- some runes on it there. So this is a person who's uh, not unfamiliar with the mystic arts himself. What do you think it is? I have no idea. When was the last time we saw Baron Mordo? Yikes, that's a good question. I mean, I don't think it would be that easy, but you notice? Actually, I thought of you when I, was, when I noticed this. The bonsai tree on his desk reminds me of the tree that we see in the origin. Hmm. Good God, you guys are way too serious. Well, this is about see, this is this is Vince, man. This is Vince rubbing <laughs> off on me here. Before I'd be like, yeah, yeah, turn the page, but it does have the same. Yeah, I guess you could be. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it reminded me of it. I'm not saying it's the exact same tree or look. Right, it's a miniature tree that he hit. I'm just you know, I just well, I was, those, like, hey, uh, was Mordu. What what did the well Mordu wasn't. I was going to say that coin. I mean, it looks very either Chi- I think Chinese. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very Chinese-looking coin the, with the square. Uh, and the, yeah. So could this possibly be? Could I mean, be. We, we we assume in it, we assume automatically that this is someone that um, is trying to defeat Doctor Strange. But could it be someone that has a grudge against Wong, and that's why he wants to get rid of it because he wants Wong to die. There's not enough facial hair for it to be the Mandarin, but who's to say he couldn't... Shave. Yeah. Or it could be someone completely new. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be anyone we know. I mean, that wouldn't be out of the realm of... But I was just wondering, you know, looking at the coin, it, it, it definitely has a Chinese uh, right. style to it. That's so, a great thought. Yeah, you're right. I like that, yeah. You know, I don't know. It, it Just something. Right. You guys got me all crazy thinking about this crap See? now. Got you all fired up. He's going to go on some long diatribe at the next top of the stack on episode 54. <laughs> now, oh, when I noticed that, you know, and this, and I can blame Vince for that. Yeah. And, and I will say, I think you guys are completely correct. I am insane in thinking this is Ramita-like. As I look more and more at it, I'm, I don't know where I keep getting that from, but yeah, it's not. Maybe because Martin's a, just a damn good illustrator, and that's what's making you think of Ramita Jr. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I love the two-page spread of the... Uh, the the origin though yeah that was this especially the, the panels going yeah the tree and the and the car crash the car crash is that reminds me of like a a little bit of um uh, Superman uh, uh, Schuster uh, Schuster car crash to some degree yep and here's a little bit of uh, graphic design 101 notice how the tree moves your eye around that page. Oh yeah. Yep. It starts with at the top, and the branch comes down, and the guy's it, it, it trails through all the important panels, and then where the tree and, and it links the blacks. In, oh yeah. In, in yeah. a lot of those panels, and the tree splits, and just when he gives you the opportunity to go off the page with that that uh, branch on the lower right, the little branches bring you back in. Yeah. So it's it's really nicely designed. Mm-hmm. And 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 seeing strange flying out through the windshield freaks me out. Yeah, and he, he even works the branch into the design for the symbol on the Sanctum Sanctorum. Look at the the branch. Yeah. The branch actually becomes part of the the window frame thing. Yeah, I noticed and the, that. The shoulder in the panel next to it. 
yeah of of strange and yeah uh, it's yeah it's very well um and it, it, if, you, if you look at the panel below with strange flying over uh over that character um that's mordo that's mordo oh sorry uh um you know he doesn't use the blacks in the cape but he uses the fold in the cape as the contour line of of the mm-hmm. branch yep i can't believe i'm talking about this stuff you guys <laughs> Yeah. See what happens when you come on the show. We're damn good at what we do. <laughs> Actually, you know, they should just use this whenever they have to do anything to give you an origin on Doctor Strange. It should just be these two pages from here on out. It works pretty well. Yep. Nice little compact uh, retelling. Yeah. Everything you need to know. Tim Sale. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. You're right. Yep. At least in this. In Especially. These yeah. Look at the doctors down at the lower left. Yeah. That's like, very Sale. The the top the very top left uh, horizontal panel there that small one with the Stephen Strange MD and the yep. facial expressions that that really kind of has a sale Tim Sale look to it. You're right. And I laughed out loud at the one uh, comment Strange makes to Wong with he tells him to shut up with that Zen crap. <laughs> yes, that's, that's love that. that. That's excellent. So I mean, if I had to slap a number on this. Uh, a rating. I would give this a. I would give it a five out of five. It's an excellent start to what I hope will be uh, just a fantastic miniseries. David, same here. Five out of five. Let's go to Mister Tuffy Salazar and see what he's going to give it. You know, I have, I have a hard time giving something a five out of five uh, only because uh, you know it, it it would have to be groundbreaking. I think for that, but uh, but it was very good. I, I'll, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a, a four and a half. How's that? Cool. Okay. I, I can live with that. I liked it a lot. All right. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's Chris. Just wanted to call in, give my two cents. Uh, and, you know, you, you asked Sal to be on the show, but not me. So but I figure I'd just call the buzz line. And, yeah. It's, you know, if you want my opinion, I can give it. But uh, if not, you know, don't 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 worry about it. You know. hey, hey, Sal. How you doing, man? Just, uh. You're gonna be there on Friday, right? Okay, just just checking. Uh, anyway, uh, Ultimate Power Number One. Um, I, I'm a I'm a Bendis fan. Um, usually like his stuff. Um, Greg Land, not so much. Uh, can deal with it, but uh, this one, I, I'm gonna have to say it was a turd. It's uh, I hate saying that because I was really looking forward to it, but I'm. Uh, I'm not going to be able to give this the uh, the stamp of approval. Lots of other better stuff out there. Uh, Criminal, number one, fantastic. Irredeemable, Ant-Man, anything with Hester, Parks, or Kirkman is going to be worth picking up. Doctor Strange, The Oath, enjoy it. Brian K. Vaughn, one of my favorites. Uh, Ghost Rider, haven't checked it out yet, but hey, Daniel Way, um, Mark Texiera, Teixeira, however you say it. Good stuff. Anyway, what's the show, guys? I hope you're doing well, and can't wait to hook up with you in New York. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. And another book I liked a whole hell of a lot. Oh, I don't think we've ever talked about this. No, it's something new to the show. It's Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' Criminal. The icon imprint. Yes, and before we get into the synopsis or the detailing of this book, I just got to say, I find it really odd that there's no mature label on this thing anywhere. Um, yeah, that is a little odd, but it's, I guess maybe because it's an imprint. 
uh, through Icon. It's not a Marvel book per se. But what about does does Powers say anything on the cover? And I've never read Powers. Is Powers for mature audiences? Oh, it certainly is. It's extremely mature, yeah. more so than 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 Criminal. And they um, they can't use the uh, imprint as the reason because. The other book we're forgetting from the Icon imprint is Jack Kirby's Galactic uh, Bounty Hunters, Bounty Hunters and right. that's an all-ages title. And there was a Straczynski and Colleen Doran book. That, Dream uh, Police. This, was that uh, Dream Police? Is that the name of it? Uh, one there of them was, was a, yeah. I don't think it was. I don't know if that was Colleen Duran, but I know Straczynski did a one-shot uh, through Icon, right? Called Dream Police. Uh, I don't remember. It may have been. Colleen Duran, but um, but I think the one you're talking about is uh, oh, yeah. What is not, the name of on it? the tip Night, of my tongue? Night something or right, something like that. Yeah, Nightshade or Dreamscape or something like that. We'll add an addendum to the episode. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I mean, Marvel rates their own books. I mean, their ratings are all you know their own. Um, but these are creator owned properties so i think it it may be up to them right. whether or not they want to write it it is a little su- surprising that there is no uh yeah but I, I i think the front cover is a indication that this is not a book for a child it's well i mean you know i, I it's been a little while since i read it but well, I mean, there was some swearing. Certainly. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, of swearing. Just, just of swearing. Just the language. No, nah, yeah, was not there, much. I'm just trying to remember. Was there? You know, I, I don't remember a lot of like blood or gore, and I don't really remember any nudity. But, no, uh, no, but it's certainly the swearing. There was, yeah, there's some f bombs. They shit a lot. Um, yeah, drug use. You know, one of the one of the characters fakes an epileptic seizure, which isn't something you'd see in, in an all ages comic. I don't think. True. Yeah, it certainly yeah. isn't an all-ages comic. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I. Uh, That's a good point, Vince. Yeah, uh, and, I could always I could always email Ed to him if well, you guys. Yeah, why don't you do that for oh, us? Yeah, you know I can always ask Brew Baker himself. What the hell? <laughs> you know, uh, next time he's over at the house and playing cards. Yeah, I love how I've built up this you know fake relationship that I have with Ed Brubaker. Uh, it really doesn't exist. God bless you. Well, instead of a straight synopsis, let's do something a little different with this um, because I think the characters are really, really rich and well-developed. Let's just go into detail on each character in the cast and allow their stories to kind of paint the big picture as to what's going on in this first issue. Um, the main character's name is Leo Patterson. Uh, he's a man that's haunted by many ghosts, so to speak. Uh, his father, Tommy Patterson, ran the best pickpocket crew in the city. And what city is this? Do they ever give any indication of? Just says the city. Right. Every chance they get. It's yeah. It, they they never. Uh, I don't even think you ever talk about really street names or uh, or anything like that. But you never. Right. Could be anywhere. Yeah, I mean it's certainly a New Yorkish, right? Uh, kind of kind of place, but uh, yeah. Well, could be anywhere. Right, and it works well that way. Um, Leo's father was stabbed to death in prison while serving time for murder. So uh, he indulges in small-time crimes to pay for a private nurse for his father's partner, Ivan, a heroin addict afflicted with Alzheimer's. Uh, he's a, Leo's a very circumspect and methodical criminal, opting to err on the side of caution whenever possible, a tendency that has gained him quite a reputation of being somewhat of a coward 
within his little criminal uh, element. So uh, he has a knack for staying out of trouble. The specter of the Salt Bay job, which was a bank heist that went horribly wrong, in which Leo was one of the few survivors, hangs over the guy's head. Uh, no matter what he does, he always these feelings of guilt are always dredged up from this this terrible, terrible incident that happened five years previous to the the events going on in the book. Uh, he feels guilty for surviving when his friends didn't. So that is the focus of the book. But there's a lot of other really neat characters trailing through this thing. We we see the man called Seymour who worked with Leo on the Salt Bay job and he petitions Patterson for help in nabbing $5 million worth of diamonds from a police evidence van. Now Leo considers Seymour smart but his penchant for taking risks does not sit well with the young man. Uh, Seymour is also a living reminder of Leo's guilt concerning the Salt Bay job which from as depicted in the book, looked like it got pretty messy at one point. Yeah. Yeah. There's a crooked police officer known only by the name of Jeff, who is... Wait for him to die. Yeah, who is giving Seymour the inside information necessary to pull off the job. There's Terry Watson, who worked the Salt Bay job with Leo. He was one of Leo's friends that was killed in the uh, altercation. So at one point in the book, Seymour uses Greta Watson, who is Terry's ex-junkie widow to kind of grease the wheels and get Leo to participate in the heist. Um, there's what David mentioned, Donnie, one of Leo's friends, his few friends, who works crowds by pretending to have an epileptic seizure and preys on their sympathies for money for his fake medical bills. And the thing I like most about this book, uh, like um, Hitman, is the undertow that bar mm-hmm. where all the um the criminals kind of let their guard down and just commune with each other it was once a speakeasy during the days of prohibition but the bar has retained a clientele of criminals and like i said it's considered a safe zone among the criminal element and my favorite character in the book has to be jake gnarly brown the bartender <laughs> this guy's amazing uh he's this burly big Prizefighter like uh, guy whose appearance belies his true nature. If you read the text piece in the back, yeah. he's a, a very literate and perceptive man, and inside his barrel chest beats the heart of an artist. How about that? Is that poetic? You poetic Absolutely. Man. Yeah, but t- to just lay out what's going on in this book is very difficult because the way Brubaker writes it, you have, uh, I want to say, information through the characters. It's just loaded with little character portraits and backstory and amazingly well-written dialogue. I mean, I felt like I was watching an episode of the best of the best of a, like a crime show or I could say a, a, uh, a CSI without the, 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 uh, the forensic element. It just, it, it, it works so well and, Damn, if if I didn't become totally immersed in this world. Absolutely. It's all over. I mean, these characters... I mean, first of all, these are not the kind of characters you're going to let babysit your kid. No. They're, they're not, not a one of them. Even the good guys, even the cops aren't aren't anything to, to write home about. I mean, it, something... I. It's very easy to... And I mean, obviously, there's a reason why the, the title of the story 
is called Coward. I, and, and, you know. Criminal. No, no, but the title of the chapter. Oh, storyline. Right. Um, <laughs> You're right. The, yeah. <laughs> the, um, you know, Leo is very easy to like. And, and, you know, you shouldn't like this person, but it, it's just, it, man, it, like we were talking about with, with, with Doctor Strange, it, this book is just so well written. It, yeah. It's not even funny. But Leo's a very honorable man, even for a thief. I mean, the money he gets from his little escapades goes to paying a private nurse for his father's partner. I mean, who would do that? You're right. The yeah, guy, the, the, there can't some guilt there. There can't be any hope for this man. He's old. He has Alzheimer's, and he's a junkie. He's a heroin addict. So, I mean, the chances of this guy ever becoming healthy and productive again are pretty slim to none. Right. And yet, he still keeps funneling his money into this hopeless cause. That, to me, that's pretty admirable. Well, you know, Ed, Ed Brubaker, I'm, I'm a crime junkie, whether it's movies or books or, or, or comics especially. I, I love crime stories, and I love noir and, and uh, have always been a big fan of that stuff. And, and Ed's stuff uh, is certainly right up, you know, my alley when it comes to that because he's obviously a big fan of it too. But, you know, I think... and. One of the things in a lot of his stories, um, certainly his crime stuff, is that the complexity of his characters, what he, you know, the people that he chooses to write about, are are not always the best of people, but somewhere there, there is certain, you know, honor and and nobility and. And I think Ed kind of feels that way about people to some degree. I think that even the worst uh, criminal or, or whatever, junkie or uh, bartender or you know whatever kind of low life you want to you want to throw out there, somewhere inside them there there's there's some good, and um, at least if not good, there's something interesting and. You know, criminal. You know, I think Ed's done such a great job, and, and he's obviously a smart writer. But he, his idea for this book, the concept of it, is so smart because he can now do whatever he wants in this world that he's created. He, you know, and he said that from the beginning was that, you know, this is the first chapter of Criminal, and, and this main character in this story is not going to be the main character of this book as it goes on. There isn't going to necessarily be one main character there's going to be a bunch of different characters that may come in and out and change and you're going to have this rotating cat cast of characters that we're going to get to to see and and learn about and and in that way he can go in any direction that he wants with the story so um you know it, it to me it, for for crime fans i mean there's there's just no you know there's no way to to lose with this book and if brubaker has any kind of honor at all he's gonna let this crooked police this jeff guy come to a very bloody and violent end uh, i can only pray <laughs> yeah. this guy rubbed me rubbed me the wrong way from the get-go yeah oh but i if if i think that character will be around for a while i don't think you're gonna see that happen long you know quickly because 
if you look at some of his other works, I mean, he he loves to use those characters to just you know set you up because uh, and, you and see the downfall. Well, and you know, but a lot of times, if you look at you know sort of classic noir stories, they're not um, they're not necessarily happy endings. So the bad guy doesn't always get it in the end. Yeah, you know, right. the good guy doesn't always get the girl and 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 win the day. I mean, most times uh, it doesn't happen. So I don't know that I, you know, you're necessarily going to see a happy ending for Leo and and that you know and a, and a, a terrible demise for that cop. I don't know. I mean, which shows knows? which shows Bu- uh, Brubaker's skill. He knows this is a hated character, and he's going to use him. To the to the fullest extent to pull the reader where he wants them to go. That's oh, yeah. that's just a sign of a great great writer. Yeah, I I, uh, I think Ed's a really terrific writer, and and uh, you know he's smart enough to know how to uh, set things up so that you know he's going to get the reaction out of out of people that he wants. I mean, you talk about um, you know Leo and and. You know, there's not a whole lot to like about Leo, but at the same time, he puts in this redeeming quality of of him, uh, you know, taking care of his 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 father's ex partner who's, you know, dying, and and so that gives you something to go, yeah, well, you know, he's he's a bad guy, but at least there's something about him that I can respect or like, and um, and I think that you know that kind of gets to the heart of of a lot of these characters that he likes to write about is that even, you know, even though you may not like a guy or, or like what he does or whatever, you know, sometimes there's just something there that you either respect or appreciate or uh, in some ways envy these characters. And, and so that's how he's able to tell a story, of, you know, full of bad guys. Right. <laughs> you know, you look at uh, Sleeper, you know, which is a great, you know, piece of work. Uh, from Ed and, and Sean, the, and you know there really weren't any good guys in that book. I mean, he, even Holden wasn't a good guy. You know, uh, from time to time he was downright despicable. But Ed's a good enough writer that he knows how to uh, to get you to to want to see Holden succeed, even right. though uh, you know uh, in in everyday life you may not really like that character miss misery was good though she was damn oh, yeah, she, she was damn good <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> she was good at being bad you bet but uh, <laughs> i think this first issue also works really well as a ghost story of sorts because leo's a haunted man he's he he's haunted by the 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 face of terry watson being shot he's he's haunted by the the specter of his father's dead end existence and his, you know, death in prison. He's, he's haunted by the guilt of being alive after this incident. It's just, this, this is a guy plagued by a lot of demons. Yeah, certainly. And, and, you know, and I I wanted to ask your opinion on, you know, and we touched on a little bit about, uh, about, and I can't think of the character's name, his father's partner that he's taken care of. Ivan. Uh, Ivan. And, um, you know that's, you know I think that's an interesting plot point and 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 something that for Ed to put in not only because one it gives it gives you you know it gives um, Leo some redeeming qualities 
But I, I think Ed's better than that. I think there's something more there, maybe. Um, you know, what does it represent? Uh, does it represent his, you know, his father in some way that he's trying to save? Does it represent, um, you know, his own fear of death that he's trying to fight off? I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think it's Leo's only handle to what was his father. I mean, this was his dad's partner. So by being the caretaker of the last remnant of who his father was, he's keeping the old man around a little bit. And when I say old man, I mean his father. Mm-hmm. You know, by by pulling this this addict in close to him and, and tending to his needs, he's actually doing right by his dad in a way. So, you know, that could be Leo's way of, of holding on to the memory of his dad. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, I, maybe it's... Maybe it's the uh, the Jewish guilt, or the the uh, the fact that for a while, you know, some people might have said that I, I was my brother's keeper. But you know, I, I I grew up, and and my grandparents always told me that you know my my brother is you know it, people may come and go in your life, family's family. Your brother's the only brother you got. You know, take care of him, look out for him, try to be there for him. And and I see I see that with with Leo taking care of Tommy he feels he feels guilty you know it's 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 uh, it's one of the few uh, I guess associations you could say um, with his father with with you know I don't even want to say of that old life but just it's something else his father died and it's just it's something else that he has to, to latch on to it's something else that can connect them to what he used to have or, or might want to to remember of good times and and at one point ivan even calls leo tommy right when are you going to cut your hair yeah so i mean he he is stepping into his father's shoes a bit you know remind remind me like i said it's been a little bit since i read it and i don't have it in front of me but was there was there ever a part in the story where where leo talks about um or or shows the where he didn't have a good relationship with his father or he didn't um, want to be a part of that world at all? I, I don't know if I, I'm remembering correctly or was that in there or am I just making that up? Well, there, when in the prologue, he talks about the rules his father told him as far as being in the gang or, or the rules for being in the game. And, right. and then um, the Jeff when he was doing the background check on Leo, said that, you know, this guy ran the the biggest pickpocketing ring in the city, and the kid's probably been doing it from day one. So he probably was initiated into that life as soon as he was able to. Yeah, I don't know why, like I said, I, I just don't honestly remember, but for some reason I got the feeling like Leo wasn't necessarily happy that he ended up in the life that he did. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, I, as I'm sure you guys can probably uh, agree that to some degree, I think all of us go through a period where the last thing we want to grow up to be is our fathers sometimes. You know, I mean, it's usually when you're younger in life and whatever. But um, the the thing with, you know, like I said, the, the relationship with Ivan really interested me because I didn't think, you know, I know Ed put it in there for a reason. I'm just trying to figure out what that reason is beyond what we've talked about a little bit. And I, I, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to figure out, um, 
that uh, what that represents more so than the face value of it. You know what I mean? And to me, I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. And I and I see exactly what you guys are saying as far as holding on to his father. But I mean, this is a guy who's a criminal, who's a you know a, a pickpocket and a, and a scam artist, and and uh, you know doesn't even have any appreciation for himself, let alone anybody else in this world and and yet he's he's doing this i don't know for some reason i just get the feeling it goes beyond just trying to hang on to his dad maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm looking into it you know wrong but i i wouldn't be surprised to see something else come out of that did you notice the name of the bar was 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 originally the undertown yeah 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 the the end in the bar is not working in the neon right so by undertow he's making brubaker's making a statement with that name of the bar as mm-hmm. if this kind of lifestyle will dr- you will down. drag yeah. you down yeah sure it's it's brilliant but i forgot what i was going to say um it guess it was a lie <laughs> well we should <laughs> uh well, I like uh, you know, I t- touch on the uh, the the dialogue again because it's you know, it, like I said, it's it's such good dialogue, such good you know, crime uh, stick. You know, I mean, there's so so many different elements in it that that he pulls from various uh, books and movies, and, and uh, it's not sort of the uh, the 20s, you know, gangster staccato. You know, uh, what's the I can't think of the actor's name name now off the top of my head, but Cagney. Uh, yeah, it's not the Cagney, uh, <laughs> but there's some of that in there. You know what I mean? There's a little bit in there, and there's a little bit of of, uh, of different. You know, uh, a little Bogart, a little of this, a little of that, and he, he just wraps it in this a real fantastic, um, almost language of his own. Mm-hmm. You know, that wouldn't work anywhere else, but. But in this, it, it it just works really well. Well, it, it works a lot better than the dialogue in Sin City. <laughs> oh, see, I don't know. I to, to me, over the, Sin City was designed to be over the top. Right. Yeah, I mean, to me, that was the whole point. Sin City isn't a real world. It isn't. It isn't our world of the fifties or the forties or the thirties or the twenties. It's it's a fantasy world where that um, you know that dialogue is how. It, people would talk because everything in that world is so bizarre and strange and and over the top. I mean, right. from the clothes that people wear to the uh, you know the guns they shoot to the cars they drive, it's all uh, a strangely twisted homage to uh, to Mickey Spillane books and and uh, and that crime noir fiction. So I think you know I, with something like that, I I, I have to give Miller credit. M- with knowing what he was doing, and it wasn't like a mistake. He put it in there because he's a bad writer. No, I'm sure it wasn't, but I guess what I should have said was I could see Brubaker's dialogue in the first issue of Criminal translating to the screen better than Frank's, which, again, it was never intended to be dialogue for the screen. But this, the way Ed wrote this, just it seems like it would be seamless it would work really well because it's completely believable dialogue and it's very human yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know it has all the little 
little character ticks that one would expect from a cast this large and it's it's he did a fantastic job on it and i really really appreciate the fact that there's no ads in the meat of the story right mm-hmm. it's, it's it's just it's almost an exp- it's an experience right from the from the first time you open the cover with the double page spread that just pulls you right in and it just continues from there it's a great little comic and we we and I'm sure you know the comparisons are going to be inevitable. And I, I know Sal. I'm not sure if if, if, if you're still reading the series, Sal. I still I'm, I'm still getting the single issues. I'm I'm behind, and I have to read them. Um, and we mentioned Miller, but what about Azarello? Would would and, and I'm not trying to make this into a Marvel versus DC or Marvel versus Vertigo. I I love a hundred bullets. Is this? Would you liken this to 100 Bullets? Do you think this is as strong as 100 Bullets? Are there certain things? Because we were talking about, especially when you mentioned Jeff and how, how Brubaker likes to keep characters around that, that you want, that, that, that are pricks, and, and that you want to see them get theirs. And, and there are characters like that in 100 Bullets. Is, is, you know, is it apples and oranges? Would you compare the two of them? Well, or? Uh, I think they're very similar. I think... Um, Hundred Bullets to me is a little more. Uh, it, it's sort of, it's sort of noir, combined with you know gangster rap. Okay, yeah, to me. I was gonna say there's um, there's a punk element to Hundred Bullets. Yeah, there's there's that you know he, it's um, there. I think what they both do really well is sort of bring, bring those elements into. More realistic and 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 uh, contemporary storytelling, um, you know. With with Hunter Bullets, it depends because you have the first couple of of arcs of Hunter Bullets is much more straightforward crime fiction, and then Azarello goes off into you know a much larger scope. Uh, the conspiracy theory stuff, and and uh, or not theory, conspiracy theory, but the conspiracy elements and the you know real twisting and turning uh, plot, you know, uh, plots that that just you know may not resolve until ten issues later or twenty issues later or whatever, you know. So I think in in that way it changes quite a bit from from what I see from Criminal, and there's also just that I think Criminal Criminal's a little less modern um, than than Hunter Bullets is in, in its um, depiction of the characters the the the, the language um, you know I the, the Hunter Bullets is, is very uh, slick in the way that it uses modern uh, you know whether it's a gangster you know uh, inner city gangs and that kind of thing with with the the, the noir the more noirish um, storytelling tropes, if you will. But I think criminals much more straightforward in in uh, in being a more in line with the sort of classic noir stuff. But I think they're certainly similar. Um, I, I just don't think criminals ever going to get quite as wrapped. Uh, up in plot as Hunter Bullets will, right. or does I should say. And then again, this is only the first issue. W- what w- you know, yet it remains to be seen where he's going to take this. 
Sure. Yes. And uh, I'm I for once gonna, I'm going to be a- along for the ride cuz this first issue just blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. And if this is something you'd like to check out, you can always jump on our forum at bullpenbulletinspodcast.com. We have two forum members, Dan C and Pat Loika, who will send you a copy for free. All you have to do is ask. No strings attached. That's pretty good deal. You can't can't get a better offer than that. Just no. no, definitely not. And asking you shall receive. And Pat's even thrown in a head sketch. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And and, uh, and you know if if you don't like it, pass it on to somebody who you think will. Um, offer valid in the uh, continental United States. Um, Continental or contiguous 48? There we go. Contiguous. There you go. See, that's why we had Sal on. <laughs> for my shipping uh, for those, for those knowledge. Big, yes, that's right. Mr. FedEx over here. He, he is a master shipper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so. will say about criminal, I, because I, I think you, you do have to understand people after. I mean, even if you were a sleeper fan, um, this isn't in the same. I mean, it is in the same vein, but it's there's. I'm pretty sure there's not going to be any superheroes or superpowers or any kind of super anything uh, in this book. I mean, this is a straight crime fiction kind of thing. If if uh, the the closest thing I can I can liken it to in in film um, was a movie which I really enjoyed. It was a Mel Gibson film called uh, um, Oh crap! Now I can't think of the name. Payback. Yes, Payback. Where there's no good guys. It's right. everybody's a bad guy. It's just a matter of how bad. Um, and uh, you know that that movie I think is is pretty similar in a lot of ways to uh, to this story or to this uh, first issue at least. I mean, as far as you know, you're you're kind of rooting for a guy that isn't necessarily a, for. Yeah, yeah, he's not necessarily a good guy, but. You know, I, I just would. I don't want people to think that they're going to pick up a, a superhero or a, you know a powers kind of book. This is this is pretty straightforward crime fiction. And and be, and we should also mention that everybody, because you're if you're not, because you shouldn't be looking for superheroes in this book, even though Mr. Phillips was the fantastic artist on Marvel Zombies. I, I mentioned during that episode that the art style is a little different. I, I see it. I, I see things a little differently in, in this than I did in Marvel. But a lot Marvel Zombies was more darker in some respects. So um it's it I I'm really liking as far as the art goes, um I'm I'm really liking Phillips's line in this book. The art Yeah, I think I think he's the arts and and this is great. I think it's better than uh than zombies or um uh, uh, the sleeper stuff, which I love both of those, but to me, I think I think his stuff in this was even better. Wow. Okay. And I I think the art's different because that's what the story calls for, it, yeah. and that's the sign of a consummate artist. The man can adapt to whatever a writer will throw at him, and he does it beautifully, no, no matter what the the situation. And just to you know reiterate what you guys said, I th- I think the. Uh, Sean Phillips's art in this is just breathtaking. It's beautiful. The the man's got one of the best lines in the business. And he did everything but the coloring. Right. He even lettered the damn thing. Yep. 
you know and when you're doing the lettering if you're the illustrator and you're deciding where the word balloons are going to go that lends itself really well to being able to compose these panels exactly the way you want them mm-hmm. so it's a, it's just an all over uh, i mean it's an all around great job yes pick up criminal you will not be disappointed and you know if you get it for free from dan or pat there's nothing to be disappointed about it's free <laughs> That's for sure. Right. This is Chris Neesman from the Around Comics podcast. And when you're not listening to Bullpen Bulletins, come over and check us out at www.aroundcomics.com. And, and we'll, we'll go from one book with no superheroes into one book that's chock full of them, unfortunately. Or chock full of people posing as... Right, it's 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 Brian Michael Bendis and Greg Land's Ultimate Power. All right, I'm Matt Ryan. I'm I'm taking a break on this one. You guys go ahead and talk. I got I didn't read it, so I got nothing to say. Oh, you lucky bastard! And and you know what? In in in, uh, neither do I. I have nothing to say about this. Um, in a nutshell, the Serpent Squad consisting of Death Adder, Black Mamba, Anaconda, Princess Python, and the Asp claim that Project Pegasus has stolen their serpent crown and they aim to get it back and enter the FF to stop them. Princess Python lands a, a hell of a punch on the thing, knocking off one of his rocky plates and exposing the flesh underneath, which is cause for concern if you're the thing. Um, Reed pledges to cure Ben's ailment, devising a plan to send 4,200 probes to alternate dimensions to gather data and he goes to Nick Fury and asks him for some funding for this, and Fury disagrees. And Reed launches the probes anyway, and the Squadron Supreme show up and beat the shit out of the Baxter building. And that's the whole issue. <laughs> that That's basically the entire issue. Well, it sounds like, you know, good fun. <laughs> it, oh, it, it, it should be a good Marvel comic where, you know, the heroes... Um, show up and I I don't know not to beat this horse anymore because at this point I think our feet are stuck in it we've been kicking it so long it's not very good comics that's all I'm really going to say about it Bendis you know is Bendis and he gives it the old college try but it just it's it's not working the dialogue is the the dialogue is stiff there's there's one point in the issue where i thought you know bendis put on his warren ellis hat and tried to be as as topical and cutting edge as warren ellis and it just doesn't work um i i wish Susie would put some underwear on because no, you don't. No, I do. I, I pig that I am. I do because you know I don't look at Susie as a as a porn queen. I I, I look as at her as the mother of well, not in this book, but you know she she's the the all American girl in the Marvel universe. And this I don't know who this is. She's she's going into battle without underwear and. It's just pathetic. It's horrible. Don't buy it. Even if somebody tells you it's good, don't buy it. It's just stink. It stinks out loud. And 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 now I'm in the hole for nine issues because I have this weird tropical disease where I can't let something that contains the Fantastic Four go. I have to buy it. So how, I, oh, I, 
Go ahead, Sal. Because I didn't read it, I, I I'm looking up the some preview pages of it right now. Just like the first four pages. How do you know Sue's not wearing any underwear? Look at that. She's the crack of her ass goes all the way up her back, for God's sake. That's a woman that's not wearing any undies. <laughs> well, she's wearing like a latex suit. I don't know. I mean, well, it's you, unstable molecules. What does she need underwear for? Oh, I don't know. It's just, it's creepy. It's, it, it, I feel like I'm looking at my daughter, you know, changing in the bathroom. It's just disgusting. <laughs> I don't want to look at it. I, I always thought that um, the Ultimate Universe's uh, Fury was patterned after Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that's the in in this book he apparently went to um went to the uh went to one of Shield's devices the the the, the epiderm machine and and gave him the face of uh, Jamie Fox. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know I know you guys can't stand Greg Lance art and 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 like I said I know there's there's plenty of people that hate his art and everything, but I got you know I mean I've seen a lot. Worse art in comics than oh, a absolutely. guy than a guy ripping off you know facial expressions and from magazines and stuff. But I mean, you, I, you know, like I'm looking at this first page and it's the it's the uh, the what do you call them the serpent the squad. squad? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a bunch of supermodels and and you know porn stars or whatever. But it's still pretty cool looking. I, I mean, as far as like a poster. Right, okay, so that, and that's okay, it fine. for this episode of Bullpen Bulletins. <laughs> Join us next week. But we don't have Salon. The, you're, kick, um, you're kicking me off for that. Come on. No. See, but but you're right. Okay, fine. So it would make a good story. It would make a good poster. It would make would a good make, poster. It, but would it make a good panel in a sequential art story? I, I mean, it, it depends on the story. To me, I mean, you know, this is this is you know the Fantastic Four's fighting uh, a bunch of serpent chicks. It's not you know it's this isn't Mouse. This isn't Watchmen. This is, you know, a bunch of super-powered, you know, people in spandex beating the crap out of each other. Does it have to be... I mean, I can appreciate sequential art, believe me. And I understand that aspect of any comic book story, but uh, I don't necessarily see it as the worst sequential art that is in a Marvel comic book today. I, I know I could go to my LCS and pick up a Marvel comic with worse sequential art in it than this. Okay, and and without a doubt, you're absolutely correct. But would you find worse sequential art than this in a high-profile Marvel comic book? Um, or would it most likely be a low-selling or backup story type? Oh, story? I think I've seen plenty of. Uh... I think I've seen plenty. Well, that was my question. That's sort of what I was leading to. Is like, is it is it because Greg Land is such a horrible comic book artist, or is it because he gets so much attention that now, it, people hate him? To me, to me, it's neither. To me, to me, the problem is that when I'm reading my comic books, and it, and because it is a visual medium, and I need if if there are no words on the page, I'd like to be able for the story to unfold naturally. I don't get a sequential sense of storytelling with Greg Land. I, I'm, 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 I'm looking at this page where they've Shields taken the Serpent Squad into custody and things looking down at, at, at the one piece of stone on the ground that used to be attached to his arm and from that upper left panel to the last one where I've said it before but Johnny Storm looks like Christopher Atkins from the Blue Lagoon 
these two pages, they're not, to me, they're not really flowing. See, and, and I get that a lot throughout the book. See, you're not, see, you've missed the boat on that panel where the thing's looking down. He's not looking at the, from what I can tell, he's not looking at his chunk that's straight ahead. No, he's dejected because she just told him he's a freak and he's going to die alone. No, 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 that, that's, that's, the, that's the next page. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, looking at, I'm, I'm looking at six preview panels that don't have any words on them. Right. And, right. And f- All right. And I, and, I, and I could certainly say, yeah, is this, is this standalone sequential art that you wouldn't need dialogue to, to understand what's going on? And even with the dialogue, you know, are there moments you would... You know, I don't disagree that there's issues, that there are problems with with some of his art. I still enjoy some of it. And I still, you know, it's like I, the, his run on Ultimate Fantastic Four. I, with, you know, Millar's writing, I love those issues. I thought that was some of the best Fantastic Four that I've ever, well, not that I've ever read, but some of the most fun Fantastic Four. I haven't read Fantastic Four in years. Story-wise, you know? I agree with you. Yeah, they were really good. But let's just get back to something you said about it's it's a superhero comic. You know, does the art have to be a masterpiece. Um, I don't think the subject matter should dictate the amount of effort the artist puts into it. Now, you know, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here a little bit. Do you think Will Eisner said, you know, this is a story about a gumshoe? You know, am I going to put all this effort into it and 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 elevate the art form? He did the best he could with what he had. That's all I expect out of Greg Land. Just if this is the best he can do, I'm going to stop buying his books. You know, unless they have the Fantastic Four in them, which then I'll have to buy them. But you know, it, okay. But I'll, let me let me let me point out another. And I understand what you're saying, but comparing you know anyone to Will Eisner is a little unfair, don't you think? No, <laughs> what I'm saying is he it, his subject matter, as far as the spirit goes, is pretty mundane. But you'd never know that from the art. He he infused that 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 work with. I mean, it's a high water mark in comics, and it's about basically, you know, a, a, a gumshoe, a, a, an, an everyday average Joe who fights crime. But it's 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 a classic because of the effort that will. But you're talking about a guy that basically created the art form of sequential art. I mean, right? To, to try and compare every, I mean, you want me to pull. A, a couple dozen Marvel books off the shelf that don't have come close to, to, you know, Will Eisner. No, no, that. no, no, no. What I'm saying is that the material should should be approached it, it should from be this right should be approached from the same intent by the artist, regardless of what it is. Uh, Carl Barks's Donald Duck is funny animal yeah. comics. You know, that's not a lofty pursuit, but. He gave those comics a magical spark that, again, those things are regarded as really solid works of art. Why can't this be? Even though it's about a bunch of snake chicks, you know, fighting the Fantastic Four, it could be done in a way that says, hey, you know, this is pretty inventive. There's nothing inventive about this. But, again, I, like well, I said... you know, I, like I said, I can't, I can't... I don't look at every comic book as, as something that needs to be groundbreaking or inventive or... You know, reimagining the wheel, but I understand your point. I see right. what you're saying. It, it should be regardless of of the the content, 
what an artist puts into it is is what you should take away from it. Uh, I, I get that, but let me let me turn the table on you a little bit and bring up a book that I know you really enjoyed, which I felt was sequentially a turd um, by a fantastic artist, uh, or at least a fantastic draftsman. But uh, Jim Lee on on the new Wildcats, which uh, you know I couldn't finish the book because, quite honestly, I was getting a headache trying to read it, which I get a lot of times with Jim Lee. Don't get me wrong, Jim Lee is a fantastic draftsman, but as far as a sequential artist, I don't think he tells a story very well. Yeah, it was the Morrison kick that I got out of Wildcats more than the, you know, Jim Lee's art, which I agree with you a little bit. It wasn't his best work, and it wasn't very sequential, but then neither was his Batman work. Yeah, I agree. I, in fact, I, I'm not I'm not a real big fan of Jim Lee's work. Right. I, I think he's an amazing pinup artist. I think he does incredible detail. Um, but as far as sequentially, I don't think he's he's terribly good. And um, I think when you look at a Jim Lee book, you the art runs the risk of being secondary to the person who created it like when when he draws a batman page it's a jim lee batman page and the focus isn't so much what's going on in the panel the the focus is the identity of the artist who did it you know you, you look at the jaw and the way he draws certain things and and it's a jim lee image so it, you can't look at that and say you know, this is a nice Batman page. You don't say that. You say, "Man, this is a pretty neat Jim Lee drawing." You know what I mean? It, it's 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 a it's the stardom factor that I think has transformed his art a little bit from doing the job it's supposed to do into promoting the artist. Yeah, I understand what you mean. I it, mean, everything it, everything Jim Lee works on has to have that Jim Lee look. Right, and and if it doesn't do the job it's supposed to do that doesn't really matter as much as this page was done by Jim Lee. So right. I, I agree with you. The Wildcats wasn't the best illustrated, wasn't the best example of sequential art. You're right. It wasn't. But the more... But I never, but I never hear you ripping on Jim Lee all the time like you do Greg Land. Every well, time... The last, every, we haven't talked be, about Alpha Fly, Punisher War Journal, or... Uh, or X-Men. Yeah, but see, that's old Jim Lee. The Jim Lee of today is at a level where the man can draw anything. He just doesn't choose to draw... He doesn't, so he's kind of lazy, sort of like Greg Land? No, he's... <laughs> you, you shall not drag me into this, buddy. Uh, there, there's a world of difference between a man that can draw... That can take his brain waves or his ideas or those 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 you know ethereal images that are in his head and translate them into the page i don't think jim lee uses models jim lee is a draftsman he knows the human form and he knows how to manipulate it greg land needs the crutch and when i when i see vicky vale and all-star batman and robin i know jim lee drew that vicky vale i'm not i'm not trying to figure out where the hell did i see, what what calendar did i see that character from in a greg land piece right but we again i mean we'll give sal an opportunity to to rebut but we're 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 kicking this horse again and i could just imagine 
you know. Well, and I'm not trying to defend. I mean, I, I'm not trying to necessarily defend Greg Land. I'm just trying to understand, understand, and sort of point out what I see as a little bit of of hypocrisy. And I don't mean that from you. I just mean in general when right. it comes to Greg Land. I mean it's become he's become such a uh, you know, a, a whipping, whipping boy. boy. Yeah. That that it's like anytime anyone talks about his name is mentioned or a drawing, it's like you know he's this huge joke in the industry. And yet, you know, it's like I I can barely. I generally, as much as I like Jim Lee's art, I don't generally like to read comics that he draws because it takes me. They're cold and impersonal works of art that take me out of the story. Um, so. But he's Jim Lee, so nobody's going to say nobody's going to rip on Jim Lee like they do Greg Land. Even though, for me, you know, he, sequentially, he he he's no better of of an artist in that regards. He may be a, be a better artist in in the ability to come up with something out of his head and 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 uh, you know not have to use photo reference. But that's it, that's not like it's something. Um, that you should blame Greg Land f- that he can't do that, but he could at one point. But then again, well, that's that's not the, the 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 focus of my my problems with him. But it, it's all in the sequential part, and, and yeah, that's part of it. But I think we're running the risk of of uh, and 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 this isn't and, and to beat up Mr. Land wasn't the reason why you know Ultimate Power was added to the list. I mean, you know, we're talking about number one issues. He happened to be the artist, so... I mean, yeah, it could be anybody. Added. Right. So, we were just... As far as this first issue goes, Sal didn't read it, Vince... Uh, uh, yeah, I read it, and I didn't like it. That <laughs> <laughs> wasn't very... It and, wasn't and, one of my... Are you, guys, are you guys Bendis fans at all? Where, I, I yes. Mean, is there any Bendis work that, that you did enjoy, or...? My opinion of Bendis has improved... A lot since yes. the House of M, since the House of M days. I, I I really did not like House of M for a, a, a whole bunch of reasons, but I, I think the man does good work. He really does. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man is, you know, not to take anything away from the six one six Spider-Man, but Ultimate Spider-Man is very very good. It's a lot better than what's going on in the current Marvel universe. It's it's well written. The dialogue is just perfect. I, yeah, I like Bendis's stuff, and even even this Ultimate Power, Bendis is not at the top of his game in this. It just it's just flat. The whole thing is uninteresting. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing that concerns me is Ben. What's wrong with Ben? I'm very curious to know, you know, why he's falling apart here. But other than that, I have no love for the Squadron Supreme. I don't really care, you know. And and they're not. They, there's nothing in this book so far that gives me any reason to care. I mean, well, I was just trying to get a feeling because you know, I know you know he's he's one of those guys that is his name's pretty polarizing. It's either love him or hate him. So yeah, I I like yeah. his work. I do. But you know, to to reiterate what david said there's a double page splash at the end that the squadron pops in they look like the june taylor dancers mm-hmm. it's it's like <laughs> the syncopated attack on the baxter building and it's it it's it's very cold you're right it's very cold all right yeah well i didn't read it i'm i'm a you know i'm a, a bendis fan but um you know I, I just 
Yeah, I just didn't really have any interest in uh, in this particular story. Um, you know, I, I'm more of a Bendis fan when he writes uh, smaller stories, right. smaller scope, and and more individual character driven stuff than the big, you know, uh, world changing, you know, apocalyptic kind of stuff that he's done of more recent. Uh, I don't think his style is suited very well for it. I think he's a good writer, but I just don't think the material works with his strengths very much. And uh, and I'd rather see him write, you know, something like Daredevil or, or uh, you know, just those smaller, more street level books. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man, very personal. Yeah, you know, I, I I've read a bunch of Ultimate Spider-Man. I've I've kind of gotten away from it a bit of late. Um, not because it, not because it's bad. It's just um, for my own personal taste, it's just a little uninteresting at this point. I mean, just Spider-Man in general is uninteresting to me anymore. I don't know, but that, that's me. That's because you're the devil. Well, <laughs> I got to tell you guys. I mean, you know, at this this day and age, it's I read less and less superhero stuff, and and more and more non-superhero stuff. And I go through cycles sometimes, but uh, you know, I'm I'm more likely to pick up a weird off, you know, you know, independent uh, thing that you've never heard of than the next big event book, just because it just doesn't it doesn't you know it doesn't get me like it used to. But don't say I, that I don't read I, superhero I, stuff. I just shed a tear when you said that. I'm sorry, man. I just uh, the Indian wait, wait with the garbage outside. That's, I am the Indian looking at the garbage. Yeah, <laughs> but you know. And one last thing about Ultimate Power, and I'm only gonna I'll, I'll I'll throw it out there and let you guys try and you know get at what I was going at. Yeah, what I was trying to get at. Look at the double page spread where Reed has all the balls lined up the probes that he's ready to send into the d- different dimensions Compa- right. compare these two pages with the single page in Doctor Strange and you tell me who's the better sequential artist <laughs> okay that's all I'm going to say about that alright moving on I'll let you go with that I'm not going to I'm not going <laughs> to retort you can retort no I'm not going to <laughs> you're a good retorter Shut up, dudes. Hey, yo, from the great Northwest, this is the legendary Bigfoot. Yeah, when me and Wild Boy aren't kicking Steve Austin's ass or appearing at a local car show, we're listening to Vince and Dave on Bullpen Bulletins for the latest and greatest in the House of Ideas. (laughs) What What was that man saying? You crazy bastard. Yo, catch you on the flip side, you hairless apes. BF, out. So you want to try our uh, hand at Ant-Man here? Sure. Well, you read this, right? I mean, come on, you got... you got, you got Oh, yeah. Andy Parks on inks. I mean, how are you not going to... Yeah. Sal, Phil, not Phil picking up Andy, Andy Parks' book. Kirkman. What'd you think of Ant-Man, Sal? I liked it. Um, I... Uh, I really enjoyed the. You know, I almost kind of wish it was a Shield book uh, more than a, more than an Ant Man book because I really, really enjoyed the uh, 
the different perspective that that Kirkman gave you on on the life as a shield agent. Um, I thought that was pretty cool and and, and interesting and, and something a little new. Um, I like the fact that uh, you know this Ant Man is uh, a jerk. You know he's he's certainly no hero, and uh, you know he may turn into one at some point, but as the title suggests, I I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see where they go with it. It's uh, it's a character that. You know, as one of these sort of, I don't want to say second-tier character, I mean, but, you know, fate, let's face it, Ant-Man was never a, a huge character in the Marvel Universe. No pun intended, I guess. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I just keep, I'm, I'm medicated, so. Um, <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, what I like the most about, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a, a Phil Hester and Annie Parks fan for a long time. I've, I've, uh, read a lot of their stuff and, and always been a fan and I, I thought they uh, and I told them this when I when we ran into him in, in uh, Chicago uh, and he had, Andy had some black and white photocopy pages uh, preview stuff for the book um, and he let me take a look at it and you know I said to him right there I said wow you guys are really trying something a little different with this aren't you and he's like yeah we're we're, we're working on something different for this book um, so that was interesting to see because I, I was so used to their style, you know. I mean, it was uh, because one, it's visually a lot different than than most uh, styles in in books today. Um, I mean, there's certainly stuff like it, but but not a whole lot. Um, so I was I was interested to see them doing something different with with the Marvel universe, and I know they're both excited about the book because they're going to be able to play with with um, you know, a lot of characters in the Marvel universe that they've never had a chance to to work on before. You know, like Wolf. You know, Wolverine pops up in this one, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty cool couple of scenes. And uh, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting with Kirkman doing it and, and their art, uh, and this character just being you know uh, put out there as as quite the the dick. You know, you're gonna <laughs> uh, you're gonna see some interesting things because you think about it. You know, imagine if you or I or people of, you know, with less scruples than us, and I don't mean like a criminal, but just somebody that maybe is, you know, a little seedy, got their hands on on, on something like that. I mean, you know, who hasn't thought about, you know, being able to turn invisible or being able to, you know, to shrink down and nobody can see you, you know, being that fly on the wall or in this instance being that ant on the wall. You know, if if you have uh, uh, low morals, there's a lot of trouble you could get into um, with yep. that kind of ability. So it should be interesting. Yeah. Well, in short, just for those who haven't read this issue, Hank Pym is putting together an Ant-Man suit to give S.H.I.E.L.D. agents an advantage in the field. <laughs> How's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, that was a that was a Chris joke. Uh, <laughs> that was right. <laughs> well, I'm getting better then. Um, okay. And and the uh, the not so nice guy that Sal was talking about that's Eric O'Grady, a rookie Shield agent stationed on the helicarrier where Pym is doing his little experiments. Uh, he's got a, a pretty much dead end job in Shield. He's in charge of. You know, reviewing insignificant satellite footage. 
Uh, he's a lazy, untrustworthy, just schlep of a guy. And um, he's pretty much happy being that. But his buddy, Chris McCarthy, is everything that Eric is not. He's an upwardly mobile, go-getter, trustworthy guy. And uh, apparently a hit with the ladies. Uh, because he's his girlfriend, who he's been seeing for some time, was originally the object of Eric's attention. So there's a little bit of, of uh, tension going on there. But in the thick of things, Eric and... Chris are told to guard Hank Pym's lab and being the you know not so with it guys that they are they don't know what to do where whether they're supposed to guard people from stop people from going in or or guard people within the 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 room whatever Eric ends up knocking Pym out and in the confusion Eric puts on the Ant-Man suit because he's got a real love for superheroes that's his dream to always to become a superhero so that's the whole issue but it doesn't sound like much but i'll tell you it 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 took me at least 40 minutes to read this thing the the dialogue is so thick there's i i would hate to have to do a word count because i'm 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 assuming it's pretty high it's just real you know, down to earth banter between the the various shield agents and the the girlfriend and and uh, Chris and it's just it's 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 Kirkman. It's what he does well. He does he writes really believable dialogue and I don't know. I'm I'm hooked. I, I will say one thing. There's more story in this one issue than in six or seven issues of the other bug book from the guys down the street. <laughs> I don't. I I I, I read. I, oh. I'm telling you, I read the first seven issues of that thing. I can't tell you what the hell happened. I don't remember it. It, it didn't go anywhere. You still don't know. You know everything about the suit. This first issue, Kirkman uses this real neat framing sequence where, in the beginning, Ant Man saves a, a woman from being mugged and or worse, and eventually asks her out to dinner. And and in the end of the uh, issue, we find out that the man who shows up at dinner is Bumbler Eric O'Grady. So as to how he got the, the, the Ant-Man suit, you don't know, but I'm very intrigued to find out how he did finally get it. Yeah, and that's I think that's the, um, that's the twist for me, because normally, I was telling you earlier, Vince, I'm not a fan of flashbacks at all, because there's no... Um, well, like you said, there's no payoff. But if if Spider-Man's telling the story about what uh, what happened to him fighting Doctor Octopus, and it's a two-part story, and at the end of the first issue, you know, the caption reads, "Is Spider-Man going to get out of this?" Well, obviously, you know he does because he's telling you the story about what happened. So I, I just that's my main peeve with flashbacks is that I can't I can't buy into them. But this, we start off with the present day, and then we go to six months ago. And, you know, so you're moving along and you see Chris in the Ant-Man suit. And the next thing you know, at the last page, you see Eric. Hi, I'm Ant-Man. I saved you earlier. And it's just like, well, wait, what what, what I just miss? And, and it's it. I went along for the ride and I really enjoyed it. And, and, and now I'm hooked. And, and like Sal said, Hester and Parks is, they are doing something a little different than they were doing with Green Arrow. 
for the past few years, and I, I loved that Green Arrow run. I mean, I, I'm still buying Green Arrow because of the work that they did on it with, with the art and, and with Smith and then Meltzer and, and, and up to Winnick. And, I mean, it's Green Arrow is still a fun read for me. And, and even Green Arrow is going through a whole flashback thing because they're doing a year one deal, and, and, and that's kind of threw me out of the story a little bit because we were all of a sudden up to date. But we're not going there. The uh, Exactly. As far as, as, far as Ant-Man goes... Um, I just it's it's to me it's another winner. I'm 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 glad I'm I'm coming along for the ride. And the art's great. The writing, you're right. I mean, it's pages are so dense. There are little panels, and what's great is with the art, you can actually tell what's going on in these little panels. It, I mean, it, everything's neat. Yeah, it's like a, a can of Campbell's condensed soup. There there there's so much information on every page. It's just it it takes a while to get through this. You definitely get your money's worth. Yes. Out of Hester, Parks, and, and Kirkman. Well, I, I do have to say, I mean, that was almost something I was a little turned off by, was that there was so much little art in it. You know, there were so many little panels and so many words and so much story going on. Um, in that first issue, I was a little bit eh, turned off by only because, like, I didn't. I guess I didn't expect it in, in this book. And, and honestly, I bought the book because... Of Andy and and Phil, is art more so than as much as I like Kirkman. For an Ant Man book, I wasn't you know I'm like oh, you know I've I, I didn't I didn't buy it f- as much for the story as I did for the art. Right. I, I figured it'd be a good story, but I was really excited to see you know Phil and Phil and Andy's work in it. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed by so many pages of panel panel little panel 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 of grid you know 12 page or 12 panel grids and and that kind of stuff but um he seems to be following and and i've i've seen the second issue so there's a lot of the same sort of thing in it but i think that you know he's trying like you said he's trying to get a lot in in the beginning um of the of these first couple of issues uh, because the you know it is a, he's setting up a pretty dense story, and it and I in the second issue there's a couple of pa- like two page spreads uh, that is some of the my favorite uh, Phil Hester and Andy Parks art that I've ever seen, and that I was blown away I literally just blown away by it because I I've never seen them do something quite like this so. Um, while I wasn't exactly thrilled with the with the pan, little panels in the beginning, uh, there's a real nice payoff in in uh, in what I was looking for uh, in this next issue. So it's it's almost the anti decompression book. There, there's some, yeah, oh, there's they, there's no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's no decompression in this. It's it's a um, a lot going on and 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 it's tightly plotted too. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing wasted. He, he 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 paints a pretty vivid picture of the life of the lives of these two uh, low level shield agents. And uh, I'd like to reiterate what we said about Leo and Criminal. Uh, Eric O'Grady's not the most honorable guy in the world, but there's something about him. He's like a nebbish, you know. You you want him. You want to see him at least. You know, overcome some of his problems and and get his his life back on track. And you get a hint towards the end that maybe he does because, you know, he has the suit. 
So maybe he's turned a corner. I don't know, but I don't really think that's the point of the book. I think Kirkman is shooting for fun with this title. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping so, and that's what I need. Uh, lately, I'm finding the titles that I'm enjoying the most are not the earth-shattering, universe-spanning books like your crossovers or you know Annihilation, which I am enjoying. But I, the the books that are really getting to me now are Amazing Spider Girl. That Avengers Next was really good, and and this Ant Man are the ones that are, are sticking with me because they're fun books. You can you can sit down with them, you know, kick up your your heels and just enjoy a, a really well told, well illustrated comic book superhero story. And you know that's all I need out of life. I I don't I don't need you know a civil war every every week when I go to the comic shop. I just give me something to to entertain me and and that's done really well and I'm fine. And that's what Ant-Man is. It's it's well done, entertaining, just damn good comics. That's why I was surprised by, you know, how dense it was is because it, you figured that this was going to be all about, you know, gags and 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 humor and and fun and action and that kind of stuff. And there's plenty of that in there, but it was just kind of surprising in how much he was, you know, packing in story-wise. Uh, in, in a book that I just didn't expect it from, you know. Right. It's almost like Claremont-esque. Some of the way the panels, the board balloons are going across the panels. The um, but readable, Claremont. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Early Claremont. Two two things that kind of jumped out at me were the um, were when they when we first see Hank Pym aboard the the helicarrier and and the agent walks in and and tells him that. Um, you know, we can set you up in your room, and and Hank's like, no, no, I'll just take the last transport. And he's like, well, the last transport left two hours ago. And I'm thinking, you know, this is Shield. You know, why would you not always have a transport ready to just transport someone? And but then it's like, well, if this is a government-sanctioned agency, and and they're trying to like, you know, save the taxpayers' money. I mean, yeah, why would they shuttle someone back and forth on a whim? I just 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 throwing that in there to say that you know, well, you missed the last bus. It it. It, it left. You got to spend the night. And the other item was um, was a playing poker and the big deal about uh, about whether or not Nick Fury is actually a real person. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that part. <laughs> that was that was very cool. Yeah, like unsolved mysteries. But yeah, <laughs> to go back to that thing where where Hank says he misses the uh, you know he he misses the transport and he says, "Oh, Janet's going to be pissed." Yes. Yeah. What, what's up with that? You know. <sighs> In in the Beyond, Hank is trying to get in, uh, in. I wouldn't go into the Beyond too much because I'm not sure how in continuity that is. So I'm not, I'm not looking to the Beyond to fill in any gaps right. with their relationship. I just found it odd that you know in one book that's coming out at the same time as this book, you know Hank's trying to get in everybody's pants, and then <laughs> in in this book he's talking about Janet. I don't obsess over things like that. I just found it, you know. <laughs> Kind of odd. I, I, you know, that's just me. Oh but, yeah, you don't obsess about you don't stuff obsess like that. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So we all thumbs up on Ant Man. Oh, five stars. Very good. Yeah, Sal doesn't give anything five stars. No, it's you gotta. I. I mean, come on. You gotta dude, make him breakfast you? in the morning. Five star, like like you know, you know, Watchmen. That's five stars. Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> that's five stars. You know. Irredeemable Ant Man, you know, it's a good comic. I don't, I, I can't put it up there with Watchmen yet. It's not over, but 
<laughs> off of one issue, it's a little hard to put it up there with, you know, five stars is pretty high. I, 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 I have standards. Can't. I can't just be thrown thrown Get stars out. You know, around. I've, oh. <laughs> yeah, how how the hell can you compare Ant Man to Watchmen though? It shouldn't be judged on the same scale. No, well, no, it can't be. Just, what do you mean? Just, just, just because it's comics doesn't mean that it should be held accountable to the same standards that, you know, Watchmen... Comics aren't a genre. Watchmen was trying to go in, in one direction, and Ant-Man's going in a totally different direction. It, you know, it, 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 whatever. I got nothing. I was trying to go somewhere with that, and I looked at the clock, and I said, shit, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I, yeah, I, no I, don't, I don't care how much of a, you know, a shot I give it, I'm not going to pull anything out. So... <laughs> You've given everything five stars. I think you gave. I think you even gave. Uh, I gave ultimate power. <laughs> ultimate power five stars. I give you it. Didn't even like it. I gave it five stars. No, sh- sh- shut up, man! I didn't give it five stars. <laughs> you gotta have some. You know. I. Those are the amount of stars. Those are the amount of stars spiraling around Greg Land's head when I bonked them. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. I, I honestly do have a real hard time giving like a high, like the alt, the top rating on his stuff. I, 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 even on books like I really really like, it's like how can I give this the highest rating? It's not you know. Yeah, how do I know what is actually the pinnacle of of what I'm? There's no. Where's the? There's nowhere step? to go. Yeah, yeah, there's nowhere to go from there. So. Right. But yeah, out of everything we're reading tonight, sure, five stars for almost everything. I guess it's my my spur of the moment five stars, which means in this period of time right now, this book gave me. Five stars of entertainment. That's I don't know. That's all I can say. You're just, you're just hoping for a cover quote. And, and it's, oh, Vin, oh yeah, Vince B gave it five yeah, stars. Vin, don't, don't bring that up to me. That's a <laughs> subject. That, that's true. I forgot about that. I'm sorry. Vince, who the hell is he? B. It says this is five stars. Man, I gotta go. Oh no, no. We, we, we still got like two hours left. Uh, come on, man. Yeah. No. What time is it in Chicago, anyway? Uh, it's one oh six. Oh, come on. See? We didn't even get started yet. What time do you guys go to work tomorrow? <laughs> oh, I'm off tomorrow. I'm not going to work. Oh. <laughs> See, it's new comedy day. This bastard's off. I got I to gotta be at work at 1. I'm off Wednesdays. One. Yeah. I, my kids will be up screaming it in, like, five hours. So. <laughs> uh, don't leave us. Um... <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't even do this for my own podcast. All right. Well, you know, it was a hell of a pleasure having you. Uh, just say the word, and you can come back anytime. I hope I didn't uh, like you know, say too much. No, you were. <laughs> I can, you know, whatever Chris, whatever Chris and Tom don't let you say, you can say here. Yeah. Well, that's a lot because I, uh huh, I pull back. I hold back a lot on on our show. I don't want to, only because those guys can't handle it. They're just not, you know. Vince can handle anything. Oh, I am so tight. Uh, and if I'm, you- in, I'm, in, I'm in, wow, I'm, uh, I'm actually intimidated talking to you guys because uh, you know I don't have the, uh, the OCD memory that I can, you know, the Rain Man esque uh, ability to retain every minute detail of every comic book that I've ever read. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, yeah, I don't either. Can I give a shout out for a? something i just read the other day that i really loved yeah um and i'm sure people have already read it it's nothing new it's in fact it's it's pretty uh 
pretty old and, and well known, but I, I just finally got around to reading it. it was um Animal Man by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um I, I picked up the first three trades of it and, and I read the first one, I liked it. Uh I, I wasn't really, you know, blown away by it. I thought it was good. I know a lot of people talk about the uh the coyote uh <laughs> gospel story, which was good, but I think um, the second trade blew me away. I just thought it was brilliant and uh, and and you know really to me is a, a great example of being able to take a nothing character in a genre of you know that people bitch about you know muscle bound stereotypes running around punching people and tell some really you know interesting topical relevant and and poignant stories um and yet be entertaining and interesting and and uh and and just absolutely loved it i thought it was fantastic so if you haven't read animal man before i cannot suggest it enough but now that you've totally subverted our show and i'm sorry you know dragged it down the street <laughs> uh, you bastard um hey, how do you think we end up with two and a half hour shows <laughs> If you're one of those rare individuals that listens to bullpen bulletins and doesn't listen to Around Comics, I can't conceive of someone actually doing that. But uh, check out Mr. Salazar's show at aroundcomics.com. It's the best damn podcast out there. I'm not ashamed to say that. Or, you know, it is. It's the best. you got to listen to this. Head on over there. It is. I'm not going to lie. Um, well, we, didn't win, we didn't win the, the, the best no, even though you got my vote. No, you didn't. <laughs> but neither did we, so we can commiserate together. Yeah, there you go. Awards aren't important. <laughs> but uh, And once again, thank you for being here, man. I love you, and I really appreciate you coming. Oh, no no problem, guys. I, I will try and make myself more available for you. Cause, uh, <laughs> I really, and, I, and feel free to cut out anything I've said tonight. Nah, it's not going to happen. Maybe some of that Animal Man stuff is going. But... <laughs> That's fine. Anything you want, man. I, I I can go on for hours about nothing. That's cool. Why do you think I have a podcast? That's, That's right. Safe. I've actually found people that you know will listen. Don't let this you know any. If you haven't heard around comics before, don't let anything I've said today scare you away because I don't talk nearly as much on on around comics because they don't. Yeah, the other me. the other co-hosts won't let them. Yeah, they beat me up. And don't believe him. He's one of the smartest guys I know. Wow. Yeah. You must hang out with some real... Well, you there hang you, out with David, so there, yeah, there you, you hang go. out with there some you real go. You know, brainiacs over there, huh? Guy, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen him... Just kidding, dude. I, I, I've, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen him pick his belly button for hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Salazar. No problem. I appreciate it. Have a good Always night. Always a pleasure. Yeah. You too. You too. And, uh, Enjoy that cement mixer. Let me know. Oh, God. Uh, let me know next time you have, you know, another good topic to talk about. I'll I'll be happy to come back. As on. opposed to tonight? Well, <laughs> you know. And I, don't get to t- I don't talk about comics on our, on our podcast. Like, you know, individual comic books. We never talk about. You know. No, there's no Cr- such thing as top of the stack. That, you know, <laughs> well... You know why you don't? Because you have honest to God guests on your show. Something, yeah. something. Well, it's, w- it's something with Chris, though. He like has to, you know. And I've talked to him about this before. It's like, you know, he has to have like these gigantic, you know, topics of like, you know, homosexuality in comics, which is, you know, 
which was good. Yeah, it's fun. It's just sometimes I wouldn't mind just kicking you know, back. Yeah, letting my fanboy out a little more. Wait, know. hey, that's what we're for. You come over here and do it. All right, guys. There you go. Well, sorry for a hijacking your show. And that's all right. Turning into the Never. train wreck. <laughs> we'll see you, buddy. All right, have a good one. Have a great night. Bye bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Hey guys, hey, yo, yo, hey, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Hey, from the Northwest, this is the legendary Bigfoot. Yo, when me and Wild Boy are kicking Steve Austin's ass or appearing at your local car show, you're listening to Vince and Dave on Bullpen Bulletins for the latest and greatest in the house of ideas. What, what, what was that man thing? You crazy SOB. Hold up, hold up. Yo, catch you on the flip side, you hairless apes. BF out. Okay, let's uh, hit the Ghost Rider, Johnny Blaze, back in the driver's seat. Uh, this issue kind of sort of spirals out of the events of Garth Ennis. Hey, wait a minute, what's that? Is there somebody else on with us? Well, hi. <laughs> Who is that? Brian Salazar. I know he didn't leave. <laughs> it's Tom Caters. Hi. Hey, Tom. Hey, how's it going? Now I, now I can't oh. talk normal. <laughs> when do you? All, all the time. All the time when I'm what? crying and drinking by myself. <laughs> what, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Goose Island Oktoberfest. I got ah. it for cheap. Well, I'm drinking... November, right? <laughs> yes, it is November. Okay, just checking. It's past its sell-by date. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm drinking Yingling Premium Lager. Hey, I, I'll, I'm just stuck with some uh, Smirnoff vodka mixed with some 7-Up. Well, that's good. I'm, not, See, I'm, not, I'm not man enough to drink vodka straight. Yeah, but you're, you're still drinking vodka, though. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess it is. It's making me hot. I'm sweating my balls off up here. <laughs> it's, the ner- it's all the nerves, podcast nervousness. Yeah, That's the, be it. the jitters. <laughs> Spotlights on David. Go. Uh, DC bad, Marvel good. I like that. That's very good. <laughs> All right. So um, spiraling out of the events of Garth Ennis and Clayton Crane's The Road to Damnation, which was... Not all that hot, in my opinion. I I liked uh, Devin Grayson's Hammerlane much better, but that's neither here nor there. Was it pretty? Um, the Hammerlane? No, the Road to Damnation. Yes, it was very pretty. It looked very nice. Clayton Crane's got a an amazing style in it. It it worked really well on that book, but I think uh, Mr. Ennis phoned that one in from the pot because... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it, it was not a good read, in my opinion. I, there were some people out there who liked it, I'm sure. Did you read that, Tom? I read a little bit of it. I did not enjoy it. But I'm very hot and cold on Ennis most of the time anyway. So. Yeah, it's it, it was it was almost a, a parody of himself. And it, it was a little bit too much like Preacher for my taste. There was all the, the whole thing with the Heaven's Angel... The Heaven's... Um, yeah, whatever. Ghostwriter Ghost is kind of a character that you got to be kind of. It's already too close almost to sort of a parody because of how it's sort of tied into the. You know, it's a very seven, like late 70s idea. You know, a guy on a motorcycle who's on fire. With a flaming head. Yeah. yeah, you know, like it's already really close to that without having to go all that way 
writing style wise. But but how cool can you get a, a guy with a flaming head on a motorcycle? There's not you too can't. many. No, it's awesome. And Johnny Blaze is back, which even makes it better. Yes. Oh, so that's I hated the other guy, Daniel Danny Ketch. What's his name? Yes. Danny Ketch. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't want to blow the wad uh, on David's synopsis, but there are things in this series, uh, in issue four, that kind of combine the two in, in a little bit, uh, um, some way. So, but I'm getting ahead of David, and I don't want to do that. So, David, let us know what's going on in this issue. Well, as far as first issues go, I think it was a um, that was a pr- really strong first issue as way of um, laying down. Uh, the foundation. I know some people say that you know first issues might just feel it. Actually, Tom, you were talking about the um, the authority a couple episodes back on Around Comics, where how you felt like it was the first chapter of a trade. Yeah, this is nothing nothing like that. It it, it was you know you see Ghost Rider, he's really pissed off at Satan, and Satan keeps basically just fucking with him, and it it makes for a fun read. Um, the basically it starts off with. Ghost Rider's just trying to get out of hell. Satan's messing messing with his head, and uh, Ghost Rider comes across this little um, little slug-like demon fella who goes by the name of uh, Geek Six, and uh, Geek Six is wanted by Satan. So Satan's minions come, take him away, and figures that uh, after Satan decides that you know he really does have to do away with the little slug. Ghost Rider comes and rescues him, and then he and Ghost Rider decide to uh, make a deal where, basically, Geeks can dig. He can dig really well. He's, he's you know, he he can basically his, his purpose in in hell was to I guess make the pit bigger or or um, expand on the pit. And he was because of his talents as far as digging goes. Ghost Rider figures, well, maybe he can get me through to the other side. And when he decides to make the deal. With Geek Six, the um, actually we find out that Satan was just posing as Geek Six the whole time, but oh. now that yeah he really did. I'm telling you, it, and I didn't see that coming actually. Even when he, even when he reached his hand out to shake his hand, no one so, ever does. There you go. <laughs> the but unfortunately, because Geek Six did do some digging, and Ghost Rider was able to get through the other side. As soon as he shook Geek Six's hand and found out he was shaking hands with Satan. Basically, what happens is Ghost Rider comes through to the other side, but because he came on through uh, through the other side, he basically brought Satan with him. So we can blame Ghost Rider for having hell on earth, so to speak. He's, uh, it's, and it, it kind of just leaves off there. You see, um, you, you see, basically, I mean, it, it kind of, it, it, I thought it ended a little abruptly, but for the most part, it, it, it set up the second issue, and, and the second issue we finally get to see Johnny Blaze. But um, as I said, it was, I, I enjoyed this as a first issue a lot. It was nothing but Ghost Rider, and it's Satan looks completely badass, and it, it's fucking text art, so I really got nothing to complain about as far as that goes. I thought the art sucked. You would. <laughs> you know why? Because no. it, wasn't, it wasn't inked by Vinnie Coletta. <laughs> no, I thought the art was fantastic. Um, the way Tex drew uh, Lufus, yeah, Lufuser. I'm gonna Lufuser. The way Tex been drinking Lufuser. The way Texas drew the Lufuser. 
No, um, he kind of modeled him after uh, Tim Curry's demon in the legend. That's really cool, and and he looks really badass. But uh, yeah, the art's fantastic. It, I had a little bit of a problem with the first issue, but it's not, it's a minor thing. In in hindsight, the the first issue was great, but it doesn't really kick in until the fourth issue. Do you know because the whole all the pieces of the puzzle aren't there yet. It's basically just Johnny Blaze trying to get out of uh, hell, and he and he, he he's keep he keeps you know getting demolished on this road out of hell and. You, there's not a whole lot of the story in there, but I mean, it, it's very nice to look at. But it's one of those books that if the first issue interests you at all, you should stick with it till the fourth because that's when all the pieces fall into place and you see the the uh, the big picture Daniel Way has uh, dr- uh, drafted for this series, and it's really really cool. I have a question. I, okay. I uh, I did not read this. So, as, but as someone who actually really enjoys the idea of Ghost Rider, but has often found that when Ghost Rider is written poorly, it's because it's almost too much of the Ghost Rider, not enough of about the character behind him, you know, not enough Johnny Blaze, or not enough of the Daniel Catcher, Catcher guy, catcher. I believe it was. <laughs> yeah, he's was, a catcher. He's a catcher. Uh, is there a, a lot of focus on the actual character of Johnny Blaze? I wouldn't think so. I'd, I would have to say no. There's a lot of internal monologue. I, every time Ghost Rider's speaking, he's like, you know, get it together, Johnny. You got to do this, Johnny. It's like, it, it's almost like it's a little kid who's trying to strike out the pitcher in Little League. But it's it's the, um, it's because you don't because it is just so heavy on on Ghost Rider. You, you I, I, in a way, this kind of reminded me. It felt a little bit like. I mean, it didn't look like it, and it really didn't read like it. But it, it sort of, if it makes sense, it sort of felt like those last few issues of the um, Bob Bedansky, uh Ghost Rider from the '80s. And just because it, it's the uh, it's Satan, or well, back then it was Mephisto. But I mean, it's you know, it's the underworld really just screwing around with Johnny Blaze. I mean, he's he's. We already we already know he struck a deal with the devil, and those those never go according to plan. So he's just he's he's simply just being screwed over by by hell. But but get this, let's spill the beans because I think if anybody who is even remotely interested in this series gets a gist of what the scope that Daniel Way has for it, they're going to buy into it. When Johnny, so there's spoilers involved in this. So if you're if you're thinking of buying the series and you don't like spoilers, then don't listen. But once you hear them, it's going to make the series all that more desirable, I think, because I think it's a pretty brilliant idea. When Johnny Blaze made it through hell, Lufuser was holding on to the back of the bike, and when he came through the the rift or the portal or the you know the separation between hell and earth, Lufuser exploded into 666 pieces. Now this is... And and those were the people coming out of the water. Right. And and when each one of these is a separate shard of Lucifer. And each time the Ghost Rider takes one of these shards of Lucifer out, 
the remaining shards get stronger. So by the time Johnny Blaze eliminates all the shards of Lu- Lufuser, <laughs> except for one, it he's going to you know be totally unstoppable, and that's what that's the grand scheme behind Lu- Lucifer's plan is to gain access to Earth and basically ravage the entire planet. But he can't do it all separated like this. He's using the Ghost Rider to to actually combine his forms by knowing that Ghost Rider will take out every little piece until he gets to the last one, and then he'll be unstoppable, and Ghost Rider won't be able to stop him, and he'll he'll own the planet. That's really neat. That is. It's like a built a built-in mechanism for stories. Yes. They, they they could take this for the next. You know, twenty five years <laughs> if they pace it out. Six hundred sixty six issues. That's right, <laughs> and the, the last one will be a die cut foil chromium hologram. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll it will. By that point, like the special editions will be someone will come to your house and draw it for you, or as you sit there, <laughs> or act it out. No, it, it'll be it it'll, it'll be a play. Injectable comics. They'll come in a little syringe, and you just like. <laughs> Stick it into your frontal lobe and and just experience it. So but did, did did we answer? If our robot question? masters allows us. That's right. <laughs> did, did did we answer Tom's question as far as the the, the character? Yes, you did. Okay, I was just well, curious. In, in there is a lot of Johnny Blaze in the second issue, and there's yeah. you know and, and Dixie. Oh, good lord, boobies. Um. In the in the third issue, second and third issue, you get a lot of Doctor Strange. And then in the in the fourth issue, there's another playa that that comes into the picture. But it, I think it's just a fantastic series. But you don't know that by the first issue, so stick with it. If you like the first issue, stick with this book because it gets really good by issue four. Really good. I, I think it's a I think it's a it's a good showing of basically it's it's a good time to be a ghostwriter fan. I mean, with oh. this comic book, you can't. I mean, even though, yeah, we have the movie coming out, and good or bad, there's a movie coming out. But, I mean, this comic book this comic book is... I wish the Danny Ketch comic was something like this back in the 90s. Right. And, you know, speaking of the Danny Ketch comic from the 90s, did you see the book solicited in the uh, November previews? No. They They're finishing the Danny Ketch saga. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, the the unpublished Ghost Rider um, 94 that was pulled for whatever reason is going to be published. Wow. Yeah, it's a special 72-page one-shot called uh, Ghost Rider Finale. The original creative team unites to complete an issue eight years in the making. In early 1998, Ghost Rider 93 ended with a shocking cliffhanger, the death of Dan Ketch the Ghost Rider's human host, but the book was canceled prematurely prior to the release of the series finale in Ghost Rider 94, which had already been written and almost entirely penciled. So uh, Javier Salteras and Tex, are, they finished the issue. And Howard Mackey. No, Ivan Velas. <gasps> He's not the original creator. He, no. Howard Mackey was on it initially. So this, right. is, okay, this is the original creative team from those last few issues. Right. Okay. But, I mean, how cool is that? That's very cool. They're finally getting it uh, oh, around 
goddamn Danny Ketch comic. Finish it off. Yeah, and that's the the way that they tie in the Dan Ketch Ghost Rider with the Johnny Blaze in issue four. Another spoiler: um, Ghost Rider suddenly realizes he has the penance stare, and that was Danny Ketch's big thing. Oh, he mm-hmm. yeah. So that's really cool. But do you guys think it's dangerous to give kids the message that fire and motorcycles are... No, no more than some blonde-haired kid that screams flame on. I knew that was coming. True. I knew you were going there. You brought it, man. You did. <laughs> I, th- I, threw, I just threw you a softball, and you hit that one right out of the park. <laughs> That's I mean, right. If, if, if they wanted to put Herbie on a motorcycle, I don't think we'd have a problem. <laughs> Herbie on a bicycle. <laughs> tricycle, no tricycle. unicycle. Yeah, I, I think the character is so outlandish that Herbie I, walks. You, you're not going. <laughs> you, you're not going to have too many uh, Johnny Blaze imitators. I doubt it. Uh, yeah. So that'd be interesting to see. But yeah. children trying to make deals with the devil. Just say no I, to Lufuser. <laughs> I can't wait to see next Halloween's costumes. I'm dying there's to see a, how they're going to come up with the mask for that. If some guy shows up and introduces himself as Mr. Lufuser, don't shake his hand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or Six. He's got one hell of a joy bezer. Exactly. <laughs> as far as the art goes, I think Tex is better than he's ever been. Oh, he's so on fire with this he, one. Yeah. No, no, see, there was no point oh, God, with that. Jesus I'm so Christ. sorry. <laughs> that, was, that was Chris Neesman, man. I'm sorry. That you was got, not intended. You got greedy. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't intended. I swear to God. You got to walk away at some point. <laughs> I do. You're right. Always leave him laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I I thoroughly enjoyed the first issue, but like I said, it leaves you wanting more, and I guess that's the whole point of it. I think so. Yeah. Well, I might pick it up now. You should. You. I, I felt a little burned by the '90s Ghost Rider. So we all felt a little. Burn something that happened. Oh, son of a bitch. I said burn, didn't I? Oh, yes, did. Sorry. Yes, I'm guilty. Did. I don't know if that's a plug for the burn episode you guys did or if it's because of the comic, but. No, he he was oh, keeping it real. Jesus <laughs> Christ. That was, hor- that was worse than yours. I know. <laughs> that takes some doing. Oh, God. I feel bad. <laughs> feel dirty. I've poisoned him. Poisoned the show. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, Sal back just to even things out. Yeah. See, it's funny. I looked at what you guys talked about, and I read every single one of the other issues, except for <laughs> this one. <laughs> well, what so, you, what, okay, so what did you think of Ultimate Power? Because we haven't oh, it's to the ground yet. Oh, it Enough. sucked. It was. It was uh, not only I, not only did it look like uh, a pinup book, but it also read like a pinup book. Uh-huh. It didn't made. I was just like, oh god, whatever. I don't hey, care. Now don't be bashing Greg Land. You know the guy's got feelings. So come on. Let You're right. <laughs> I heard uh, I, he sold poison milk to school children. Really? And I heard he went wee wee in it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a great man, but goddamn that book. Well, yeah, it, it, I'm not going to go on and on about it because it's pointless. So, so now we have commentary on that issue from the entire Around Comics crew because Chris called in with a voicemail and commented on every one of the issues we covered. So now this is really cool. It's like closure. Really I liked is. all the other ones a lot that you talked about. Well, we had. Oh, yeah. What did you think of Doctor Strange? I loved it. It was great. 
that voice. I thought it was the perfect way to make Doctor Strange sort of relevant. You know, which is what I think we were talking about yesterday. Like, I know, um, I know, I didn't read the mini that Straczynski put out, but I I was listening to, um, and I, Jesus, now I'm going to sound like like an episode of Around Comics. I was listening to the Joe Casada interview on Word Balloon. On the ride home, on the ride home tonight, and he, they did bring up. Actually, John did bring up Doctor Strange, and how I guess fan reaction to that mini wasn't all that. And it, and it seems that this was the mini was a um, the story that took place for the miniseries was initially the treatment that JMS wrote for the Doctor Strange movie never happened. So basically, Marvel went. Straczynski and said, could you kind of just turn your screenplay into a comic book? And he did. And I don't know if that, like I said, I didn't read it, so I don't know if it translated well or not. I didn't read any of the mini. I didn't read anything that the only part of JMS's Doctor Strange that I came close to reading was when he appeared in, um, early on in the Amazing Spider-Man run. Other than that, this is really the first Doctor Strange I've read since the Defenders mini last year, and that wasn't, that wasn't a Doctor Strange vehicle, as great as he was in that comic as the character. This was just this was just an amazing first issue. I'm 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 sad that it's only a five issue mini, but it's still just going to be a if if the first issue is any indication, it's just going to be a kick ass story. Well, they're gonna they're making Doctor Strange someone besides just a character who like shows up to say I'm going to fix this or this is what's going on, you know, instead of just being exposition or a solution, he is an actual character. Mm-hmm. Who has like motivations besides whatever sort of ethereal ideas go on in his world? So yeah. I think that it's going to be a, a good base for that character. Yeah, stop using him as a band aid, man. That's it. I go with that. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever talked about criminal on around comics. Yeah, we did. Oh, okay, <laughs> just checking. A lot. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> And and I think and, and I think and, and um, have you? I know. Well, I know you guys talked about Ant Man when you've talked to Andy Parks and and you've um, yeah talked about the comic book. But I mean, did you guys go into the first issue at all, or did you guys talk about? What? I think someone picked it as their pick of the week, but we didn't go that in depth into it. Okay. I enjoyed it. I thought the second issue was great. And the I first issue it. was great. Excellent. He's, he's a dick. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he, he, but he's a lovable dick. He's you and I. That's right. He's us. <laughs> he's us. <laughs> he's doing exactly what I would do. If you worked for Shield. Exactly. Okay. I'm sort of I'm I'm the, like the equivalent of that in accounting. <laughs> I work <laughs> I work in some I have a desk and things go on and I don't know about it. I just kind of wait my time until I get that, you know, special right. suit. My and my uh, my analogy is completely falling apart. <laughs> I'm sure you'll take it out in editing, right? No, that's staying Absolutely. in. Oh God, this is real. This is real life. We don't do any editing on this. I we feel so busted. small. <laughs> that's good. Uh. That's good. <laughs> that might get edited. Uh, all right then all righty then well um we have any other pressing business to discuss if not let's uh lock this sucker down actually one thing um well because you love 
plug in the buzz line. I do. And, and everybody needs to call it. I was thinking that... Um, now here's where it gets scary. Yeah, I know, I know. So you see, this is one of the this is one of the signs of the apocalypse. The uh, if 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 it was kind of used for even more uh, listener interaction participation, kind of like a um, do a point counterpoint kind of deal, and it can either be it can either be started online where someone can say, "I really liked Doctor Strange: The Oath." Someone else can come along and say, "I really didn't." We can either have them on the same episode. Someone will call for pros. Someone will call for cons. Or it can start in one episode. Someone can say what they liked or disliked about it, and then another listener could follow up the next week and give their opposing views. So I, I was thinking that if, if if someone were to call in for those that don't visit the forum or or post their thoughts on the forum, they could either tell them tell us their thoughts on the phone or. Um, argue with another listener. See, that's good. You're giving it a purpose. That's exactly what it needed. And that's ultimately what everyone wants to do, is just argue with each other. That, right. Absolutely. We're it, comic fans. That's what we have to do. It, Step inside this octagon. <laughs> one man enter, two men enter, <laughs> one, one man leaves. If you lose, you have to... If you lose, you can never call again. Because if you give people a choice about what to talk about, they won't call at all. But if you give them an agenda, they will. You have to put the. You have to plant that seed. You know what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, and th- th- that's perfect, David. People I like. Won't build their own soapbox. That's right. We have to build it for them. <laughs> Just leave it out. So, let let's let's throw something against the wall here and see what sticks. What will be the first buzz line question? Tom, why don't you come up with it? Oh, um, oh, God, Jesus. Put me on the spot. Is this what you do to all people when you have them on the show? <laughs> is is the great improviser not all that? Come on. Oh, that's just uh, it's it's just a character I play on the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is vacation for me. Let me think. Uh, something that people could argue about. Yeah. Uh, uh, how about? I've been enjoying the. Uh, Planet Hulk, but I've seen some people that say they haven't been enjoying it because it's sort of a very different take on the Hulk character. And I'm sure we got one person. I'm sure you have one person out there who wants their Bruce Banner <laughs> crying every issue, you know. So they've probably been missing it for about a year. So I ch- I challenge you, Bruce Banner fans. That's a good one. Call yeah. call and tell me why I should want to, you know. Don't why, someone why, like yeah, me. Why, yeah, why should Bruce Banner come back? How about this? Does the Hulk work better out of the Marvel Universe? Should he come back? Should he not come back? Argue. I say he should keep his ass out of the Marvel Universe because that's where he works the best. I would I would almost agree with you. Yep. But that's David? I don't know if I would because I kind of like the whole... I like the Hulk being part of the Marvel Universe because he can be that wild card I know exactly what you guys are saying though I mean this is a story that's all his own it's almost like the Punisher and now with what we're getting with Punisher War Journal we're getting the best of bo- we're getting the best of both worlds we have Garth Ennis having his you know mouth like a sailor Frank Castle out there killing people and now we have Matt Fraction's Punisher who's going to be you know 
playing tiddlywinks with the Marvel characters. So Punisher is a character that does work both ways. I, I can't picture the Hulk having two titles where he's somewhere else away from the Marvel U and then that same month he's in a story where... He, it's kind of like the old DC... Um, the Justice League, and then how you have Batman, Detective, and Brave and the Bold, and he's also so Batman's in four comic books in one month. When the hell are all these stories happening? Oh so, well, you can just—I mean, with the the Hulk, you, I mean, the correct criteria should be whether or not it's it's a good story. You know, oh, like you could sit and you could always sit and dissect how everything fits together. But if that's I mean, like I, the limiting factor, that's sort of it's weak. I think it's weak, Dave. Okay then. <laughs> I I like him. I like him interacting with the other Marvel heroes, but I can definitely see the appeal to having him out on his own. So, unfortunately, I haven't. I realized about Planet Hulk too late, so I haven't read the Hulk in quite some time. So I haven't read any of Planet Hulk. I don't know what he's like in this storyline, other than what Vince has told me. So, pillow talk. Right. Yeah, right, right, right now, <laughs> I uh, right now I have to say that 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 I like Hulk with the Marvel U. Okay, all right. Well, we'll let the people decide, right? That's, That's right. Right. So there you have it. Our first Buzzline uh, question. Call in. Do us a favor. You you know, like we said, you'll be the envy of sixteen and a half people. You know, <laughs> one one of our listeners is a dwarf. <laughs> a, a, a transgender dwarf. So, have you ever have you ever longed for a group of men to listen to your voice? Yes, this is your opportunity. <laughs> That's right. And don't forget about Michelle. Yeah, well, yeah. So. I guess I don't. I until she, I see her, I'm she's <laughs> she's very very real. I ex- I expect some sort of post like, "Hey, check out my MySpace page," and it'll be like boobies. Yeah, <laughs> it's just me like, oh, uh, what an elaborate porn ad. And if you're in the Reading, Pennsylvania area, Saturday afternoon, what's the date on that, David? That would be the 11th. Yes, Saturday the 11th, if you're in the Reading, Pennsylvania area, stop by Golden Eagle Comics for the Grand CGS Episode 200 Celebration. Uh, David and I will be there. Marty's going to be there. Doombot. Is uh, Sean and Jim going to be there? Sean and Jim will be there. Oh, excellent. Absolutely. Um, Maxim Glory won't be, but... Uh, John Mayo. He, John Mayo's going to be there. Uh, Just Bill. Oh, excellent. But, uh, yeah, so we will be there. It's uh, an amazing accomplishment when you think about it. And that's, and that's, and that's 200 regular episodes, because don't forget, every month they have their book of the month. They've had specials on Infinite Crisis, on Civil War, yep. uh, and 52. I mean, they, they have their theme episodes whenever a movie comes out that, that, that has a basis in comic books. And, I mean, it's just been, it's been a fun ride with them. Oh, you're not kidding. And, uh... Uh, a nicer bunch of guys you will never meet. I just want to get it on on audio that you know they are the reason that a hell of a lot of people are doing this uh, podcasting. So I have to thank them for what they've done and just for being friends. You know they're yeah. a great bunch of guys, and uh, they couldn't happen to a, a better bunch of dudes. 
uh, even even Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just want to congratulate them, and here's to 200 more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see you Saturday, guys. And I yeah. will see you Saturday, what, that'd be like the first time since uh, Chicago. Yeah. And Amy is going to be there, too. And Denise from Birds of Geek is yes. going to be there. Yeah. It's yeah. going to... It's going to be an awesome, awesome show. Uh, there's going to be door prizes and guests. Mike Norton is going to be there. Mike Norton will be sketching. Um, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a few comic book creators there. And and I mean, yeah, we're talking about who's going to be there and the occasion. But we're all getting together at Golden Eagle Comic Books, and I do not know a nicer comic store owner. Oh than yeah. Lem. Yep. I agree. What up, Prince? And I don't usually like people. I mean, I, I you know, I could take people or leave them, but them. from the the first minute I met that guy, I knew he was good people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm going to try and pick up some uh, Thunderbolts issues because that was one series I, you know, never really paid attention to. And I just read the uh, Swimming with Sharks three issue. Uh, I guess you can call it a special. One shot that uh, they collected the Civil War issues for five oh. for five bucks. You can't, yeah, you can't beat that. And I really liked what I read. I think it's a it's got a neat little premise to it. And uh, so I'll I'll play catch up. Go back and get a a nice stack of Thunderbolts issues. So there you have it. Episode nine bullpen bulletins in the can. Join us next time when Tom Caters won't be here, but I won't. His Aww. his his memory will be. Can't. Legally, I'm not allowed to. You're under you're under contract with the other guys. <laughs> the other yes. guys, we don't even mention them. <laughs> the other guys, the other, the other guys down the street. <laughs> guys in another state. I'm and, contractually obligated. And I'd like to thank Brian Salazar for being so gracious and coming on our little pathetic little show. And uh, once, once again, he does the heavy lifting. I just I just show, show up, up and kind of, that's it. well, you are the talent. Dance monkey, <laughs> right on the coattails. <laughs> they're the they're the organ grinders, and you're the monkey. You get all the love. Exactly. That's right. How? All right, guys. Thank you very okay. much for listening. Say bye bye. Bye bye. Spider Man shoots webs and clowns. If he can't die, keep saying. Get up, climbing! Yes! Uh, Wolverine has big claws! He hits people with them. And he kills my guys with them. He uses them as weapons! You know that's gonna stop too. Oh, and one more. And the thing! He's big annoyed. Nice pants. Hey, he's real big. And Dong. Song. He's real good at fighting. Oh, and Captain America is almost America. And he has a shield that looks like the American flag. And Spider Woman. Spider Woman shoots webs. Yeah. And sometimes she freezes and they do something. Sometimes. When she fights, 
she hits things. What is the Dad?